Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It's November 15th of 2023. This is the sinister episode. I've decided this now. I don't know why, but it is. Uh-huh. This is actually the Negaverse edition of Weekly Manga Recap, where we cover exclusively uh, Shonen Jump series that aren't covered in the regular Weekly Manga Recap. Okay. Which means that uh, we spend 30 minutes every episode dissecting the latest uh, Sakamoto Days uh-huh. and uh, Mission Yozakura Family Chatters. Is Mission Yozakura Family still running? Yes. I'm going to pretend it is. <laughs> it, it is still running. I think it's ending, uh, or not ending, but it's like wrapping up. It's it's starting its last arc, so who knows? Um, you do know that would mean in in the Negaverse version, which there's got to be a better word for it. Let's do Mirrorverse. Uh, Negaverse always has Someone like... Else that. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Kill Blue, we, get, we would have to talk about that. You know, that would be exciting. Yeah. Uh, Ro- yeah, Roboco. We get to talk about that. Be like, I found it very funny that the uh, author also enjoys uh, fucking. <laughs> uh, I was trying to think of like an old Ice Shield Twenty One. I'm sure there's been an Ice Shield Twenty One chapter Rob at some point. So you know, I also enjoy it. Um, what else would we get? We would get. Uh, oh, we'd get the final chapter of Icehead Gill. Someone finally, be- someone finally beat it when it came to the axe, Nick. <laughs> Wow, so uh, that actually ended. Okay, it's either ended this week or it ends next week. It's it's finally confirmed to be ending now, I believe. So that Never. means then that we're going to have a new crop of manga again. Man, I be- we just got over the new one. <laughs> yeah. I just I just realized like it it has it has been a while since we actually got new manga because we stuck with more than usual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have I believe two new series coming up. I'm not sure exactly when that is, but sometime coming up soon. Hmm. Um, Nick, uh, I have uh, a challenge in myself. A challenge. A challenge. Uh, there's there's a, a conflict, a conflicting feeling I have mm. in that um, I made a decision like a little over a month ago. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go on a walk every day. I'm gonna get like a 30 minute walk in. Um, because everyone's like, it's good for you. You should do it. It's good for your mental health, all that sort of stuff. And I hate it because they're right. Like, I fully acknowledge everyone's correct. This is the right thing to do for your your health, uh, physical, mental, uh, emotional. Like, it's, it's good for everything. I just fucking hate it. I hate that it's right. I hate that I do it. And I always feel better. It, and like, I am like an absolute fucking grump as i take this stupid walk that i know every day makes me feel better right no i get i get that i understand that completely uh i understand the feeling of knowing that oh no nick left just as he was about to give us some amazing piece of advice what do you know nick you're back now uh yeah so you know what else uh you know what something is sort of like that restarting my computer i know that i should restart my computer occasionally so that it will stop trying to do this thing where it constantly messes up recordings and just like just like even general stuff just doing nothing on my computer but it always takes so long to restart and i know that if i just restarted it regularly it wouldn't have so many updates and it would restart much faster but, but it just kind of keeps on going like that. <laughs> we found our weaknesses, walks and updates. That's that's what's tearing us apart. Yeah. 
Also, I hate walking, too. So, yeah. Hey, look, this is like a lesson from someone else. If you're you're feeling it, take your stupid walk. You'll probably fucking feel better. If it's too cold or the weather sucks, you could do it inside. But if you have the opportunity, you should do it outside because it's stupidly better. Getting sunlight is apparently good for you. It sucks. Everything's better afterwards. I hate it. Yeah. My main problem with it isn't actually working up the, you know, the urge to do it. It's the fact that I live in Florida, so it's never a good time to go for a walk, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Is it because of the weather or or, or the uh, the vibe? Mostly the former, but okay. also yes, the latter. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I can't. I can't help you with either of those, unfortunately. Um, but I, I can root for you in the best of ways. Um, well. I'm glad to know that that's the case. Yeah. What if I trained like a small animal to be your companion? Um, thinking like a peacock to be your walking buddy. Peacock? Yeah. Something like subtle, uh, you know, something in that, Florida. Uh huh. I'm sure they have them, right? Are, pe- are peacocks in Florida? Let's see. The these birds, the largest of the family of pheasants, are now found all through the South Florida area. So there you go. Okay. If you say so. So, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you I'm going to train you um with no qualifications. I have absolutely no idea how to train any animal, let alone a peacock, specifically an exotic animal. Uh, but I'm going to train one to be your walking buddy. It's going to show up with little arm arm uh, bands on. <laughs> and it's like, what's going on there, Nicholas? It's going to talk as well. I'm going to train this bird to talk. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting <laughs> to see what happens after that. Just, you know, I go about town with my arm having talking peacock <laughs> what do you talk about let's 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 role play this scenario out just be like where the show is nice today that's like, i don't know how do you feel about the latest amendment that's being that's uh that's in that's in the house oh i hope it kills all the gays all right you need to go <laughs> you're like oh, i don't like you anymore florida bird <laughs> go home go home <laughs> all right <laughs> um uh yeah okay i don't think there are any birds in any of the manga we're reading this uh this you say that now but let's see i might be wrong we do have a lot to talk about this week i think we need to just get into it uh yeah we're gonna start things off with my hero academia chapter 406 uh get a grip on your quirk Uh uh-huh okay uh that was my Last favorite time. song by uh, Huey Lewis, actually. Get a grip on your quirk. That's actually the whole song. It ended there. Yeah. Well, see, it was the problem was it was just Huey Lewis, so there uh-huh. was no news. There was no news. So, <laughs> so he dropped that. He knows how to do that one riff, uh, but then he doesn't know how to play instruments at all beyond that. Get a grip on your quirk. And he looks around and he's like, nope, no one else is here. Nope. Right. <laughs> and he uh. just leaves the studio. <laughs> 
okay. I have a lot so, of dumb energy today. I apologize in advance. <laughs> oh, really? The arm having talking Greek cock that was going to help Nick go on walks was, was, was such a sane way to start the episode. Oh, suddenly you have a problem with Brandon now, huh? He had a name. That's right. I don't want to know his name. <laughs> we didn't even get there. I don't want to know the name of my homophobic bird, okay? <laughs> so... We start this chapter off with a check-in on where a bunch of minor characters are just to kind of reestablish, hey... We're going to dismiss Gang Orca like that? (laughs) Well, it's Gang Orca and a bunch of minor characters. Okay, there we go. Uh, Also, somebody got Hagakure a jacket. That was nice of them. Yeah. Uh, And basically just saying, like, hey, things are, like, getting under control. The evacuation has been successful. A lot of these different battlefields have been suppressed. They say that Mr. Skeptic has been captured. I think he's the only one that gets actually a name drop, even though, you know, he didn't almost explode half of Japan. Uh, (laughs) And uh, also, we even get a little bit of a check-in with uh, Lady Nagant after, you know, she uh, collapsed on the roof of the hospital building that she sniped from. Uh-huh. Uh and then we also cut over to All Might, who is now at a moderately safe distance from the actual battle going on between Bakugo and uh All for One. Uh and also uh Edshot is is still still hanging in there. Uh he, he's a little little strand of him <laughs> is still is still there. Uh and one the big thing that they're talking about is oh my god, they're so fast and Edshot says yes when when facing death just for a moment that boy's moves had even Shigaraki flustered he seems to be on the grasp of of the verge of grasping something essential and Bakugo uh, consciously thinking about something which is that he has to make use of a side effect uh all for one uh mad disrespect uh looks up at the giant explodey boy who you know Blew off both of his arms and uh-huh. denied him the kill on All Might, and is like, "Nah, <laughs> if you deal with you later, I can afford to ignore you. Yeah. It's fine. You're nothing to me." Uh, we also check in briefly on the fight going on between Deku and Shigaraki. Deku is trying to utilize like the black whips and stuff to to ensnare Shigaraki, but he just he can just disintegrate everything, so it's not working. Uh, and Deku was thinking about how he's not really doing too well in this battle. He's barely managing to use his spider sense to keep uh, himself alive. And he also realizes that uh, the next time that he uses the second incarnation's gear shift, that's going to be the last time that he can actually use it. Uh, and the blowback's going to leave him immobilized. And it doesn't matter how hard he uses it or how or if he does it in a small burst he can't control that that's going to happen after he uses it the next time uh and so we get a big two pages dedicated it's not a two page spread but you know two pages dedicated to these four combatants all preparing for their big moves as they're all trying to push themselves beyond their limits uh-huh. uh and Something happens. Uh, I believe what happens based on the follow up panel is that all for one is using, you know, a bunch of bullshit quirks to blast himself 
through where Bakugo is and, and go past him. Yeah, he's he's doing like a supersonic kind of flying thing. So he smashes up like a whole bunch of buildings as he, he crashes through. He's just like, I got to get out of here. I got I got to go hand. I get over to Shigaraki now, basically. Yeah. So all for one is um, reflecting on the fact that like, OK, look, this guy. Yeah, he hit me, but Endeavor hit me way harder. And that dark shadow hit me way harder so I could just ignore him. He doesn't measure up to all might. He's not worth advancing my rewound state. He's pointless. Our fates are not entwined. Starting to think that uh, all for one might be a bit of a bit of an idiot. Uh, <laughs> Nick, maybe he's losing it. I'm starting to think all for one maybe he's losing it. He's 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 going a little mad. Bakugo uh, calls all for one uh, a filler character, <laughs> which is <laughs> I love that. I was like, I love that we have these two people who have the most grating personalities, but one is one you're like, oh yeah, go Bakugo, woo! And the other one, you're like, F- shut up about this Demon King shit, you suck. <laughs> and Bakugo, his side effect that he's referring to is, oh, uh, boy, does it actually hurt to have my sweat explode. <laughs> Which, I don't know why it's never affected him before, but... He realizes that as pain jolts through his body from the beads of sweat pour, stored on his palms, the pain as they explode, he can feel backup blasts going off as well. And he started to figure out the timing of them. And so he utilizes this to use a chain of mini explosions to catch up with All for One. Although he admits, wow, that's really fast. And also, <laughs> so because, you know, he just had to have his heart stitched back together uh-huh. and he's setting off explosions all over his body. Uh, also, he's probably just going too fast for him for him to even like direct himself. Like he's he's reaching like a new pinnacle of speed. So he just goes so fast. He just sort of eats shit for a second. I think he he might bounce off the ground. Uh, yeah, going along, it, so. it looks like he just hits the ground. Yeah at one point and he just rolls along it at one point it looks like as well mm. uh so all for one's like what the hell is wrong with him <laughs> screw what is this and uh babaku was just thinking you know like he's been trying to catch up with deku ever since deku got his quirk but now he feels like i could overtake you right now and as he comes off the ground and w- while he's like still spinning from impacting against it he starts taking an offensive stance, ready to blast something out. And we cut to one of the shelters and uh, his mom is watching. And she says to his dad, look, look, it's, it's Katsuki. And he's like, no, I can't look. Cause you know, he doesn't want to see their son get fucking massacred. Uh-huh. Uh, and Bakugo's mother says, no, you got to watch. Cause I know that boy of ours and he's grinning the way he always does. <laughs> <laughs> grinning like a madman, like, like he do. Yeah. And uh, all for one is just like, what is it about this insignificant pebble that vexes me even more than All Might does? And uh, it has nothing to do with, oh, he sets off explosions and moves really fast and blew my arms off (laughs) because All for One doesn't live in this reality. (laughs) He's like, oh, the resemblance. He reminds me of 
him. It was always him. The hatred I harbor brings back the memory so vividly. If only he hadn't reached out like that. The one I loathe above all others. It's referring to one of the incarnations, the, the second, the, the, yeah. the guy who reached out to his little brother, because... Uh, their hair is kind of similar, I guess. Yeah, he 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 looks a little bit like presumably what Bakugo would start to look like as an adult. The resemblance mm-hmm. isn't like a one for one. I think it would be obnoxious if it was. Um, but yeah, there's enough that you're like, you can see why he sees it. And he is frustrated. He is seeing this guy that is so close to him. Like he mm-hmm. and and captures this specific part of his brain that's just like you you if you hadn't fucking reached out to my brother none of this would be happening i would be the demon lord fuck you for exploiting a flaw and a quirk that i created because (laughs) of my own hubris yeah (laughs) Uh, and so Bakugo sets off the explosion, blasts All for One into a wall. Uh, and uh, when All for One gets up, he's like, it's, uh, you're to blame for it all, Kudo! Because he's, you know, very mentally sound. Uh, uh-huh. And Katsuki says, oh, have you finally gone senile? That's Kachan Bakugo to you, you crazy Is it Kachan uh, Deku's nickname for him? The nickname that he's always hated. Yeah, yeah so. it's very cute. Uh, I like this chapter a lot. We continue to get sort of like a, a world's tour of like sweet ass Bakugo moments. I really, really like the fact that he's like finally figured out how to like control this speed. And he's so fast, like he you know, rolls across the ground. It's too powerful. But just the panel of him like 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 uh, in air rolling past a window and his arms are now. It's like it's such a cool position. It looks really awesome. The idea. It looks- all at time he yeah the idea that that explosion would send all for one fucking flying is great um and i like that all for one is 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 justified or not justified is is rationalizing his hatred of this person he's like why do you bother me so much why and it's like oh because you remind me of this person who fucked my whole system up before (laughs) like i'm annoyed in this way you you remind me too much of the second and uh this is super satisfying um i guess we should also you know kind of note like bach or uh, deku's kind of like all right i'm gonna activate uh the quirk that i can only activate one more time and after that i'm not just i can't it's not only that i can't use that quirk anymore i'm basically gonna be done for um so we're gonna be in for i imagine a false finish to that i can't imagine it's gonna end right here um but i think we're in like a really cool position of both fights i love that you know pseudo two-page spread of the four combatants kind of getting ready Uh, i think this was a really effective chapter yeah so this was fun uh who knew to make my hero academia fun we just needed Bakugo again. <laughs> a lot of people knew that. Uh, he's a very popular character. <laughs> he is. I mean, you know, um, some would say uh, it, it helps that we've we've pushed through a lot of stuff. And now we're kind of in a direct kind of line, I think, towards the end. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, we've settled uh, a dozen or so extra, ar- uh, you know, character arcs and plot threads and beats so now we can just kind of focus on this final conclusion. I think it's pretty satisfying. Honed in on the uh, main stuff now, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, Quinn, let's move in on Undead Unluck. Yeah, let's talk about uh, Undead Unluck, Nick, number 183. 
the three of us. Just the three of us. That's right. There's a song for every title this week. That's right. That's 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 the name of the song. Mm. Now. now uh, so, <laughs> Nick, we're at a wedding. It's uh, I completely forgot about this. <laughs> like When it started happening, I was like, what's going on? And then I realized, like, oh, right. <laughs> we are at uh, Layla and Lotla's place, uh, which is like a very fancy castle mansion kind of thing out in the middle of nowhere at a fancy party. And we are very immediately thrust into a very interesting situation as one patron uh, or one uh, guest asks, I wonder who Dr. Vip will choose? And another woman's like, what do you mean? He's picking Layla, right? And they're like, oh, well, I don't know. He's either fond for Miss Latla. And I'm like, so you all have attended a wedding where you do not know who the bride is? Which, I mean, does indicate that they had a fairly good list of priorities, which is like, look, we're going to get married. We've got to go do world saving stuff immediately <laughs> afterwards. So the, uh, everyone's advised. Like, yeah, just show up. Do you have like? Do you want want to like give us like formal invitation? Just show up at our mansion. Just come. Just bring yeah. stuff. <laughs> Wait, who's the bride? <laughs> uh, so uh, we 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 do see that there's like a little bit of a conversation to people being like, oh, well, he's rather close. But in my opinion, blah 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 blah. And we see Gina's just kind of looking all a little forlorn, like, oh, I see he has to choose, doesn't he, between one or the other and we cut inside of the castle we're not rip- projecting at all nope <laughs> where rip has to get ready uh or rip rip is getting ready i should say with uh fuko and he's just like oh yeah so you she's basically telling him everything that happened a little bit during this past loop it's not clear if she gave the exact details she's kind of mentioned before she wasn't going to give any like super specific stuff until everyone decided if they wanted to use the art of the memory artifact or not. Um, but he is mentioning like, oh, I guess that was a problem for you guys in this last loop. I guess that explains why Andy and you have felt so familiar when we met you. And then Can he, I just say nope. it's it's weird to see Rip looking so happy all the time. It, it's it's a strange feeling. Uh, I thought maybe it was the eye patch, but apparently it's just that he's smiling without like a glare. I, uh, the first time I saw this, uh, partially because of Fuko's attire, because she's got like a hair bun kind of uh-huh. kind of thing, uh, I thought she was talking with Shen yeah. uh, because he's there, you know, tall, handsome looking, light haired guys who are smiling all the time now. Uh-huh. Uh, so. Uh, Rip basically says like, hey, you know, you're actually a lot like Andy, you know, and she's like, wait, me a lot like Andy's like, yeah, you know, because of how off the wall you guys are. You're both kind of crazy. And he gets in like a little close and he's like, I mean, like, look at the way you guys fought. It was outrageous. And I do the goes a little bit and she like puts her hand up. And she's <laughs> like, ah, ha, ha, don't get too close. Or you'll set off a luck. <laughs> uh, but he's just like, yeah, it was crazy. Like this guy did ever like this guy showed up against the guy we were all struggling with and it like he just fought him like that's crazy and then a comet came and took out the meteorite and that was you and this guy made this clone of himself and just to carry out a promise that's crazy and you learned how to do surgery like this this is really something else you guys have this incredible teamwork you've got a fine romance on your hands Aww. Aww. And goes like, yes. And Rip's like, ah, it's almost time. Better head out. And she's like, oh, hey, 
what's your decision? And Rip says, oh, check it out. And he, he opens his shirt to sh- uh, like show her his badges that he's collected. Uh, you know, he's, he's like, I got about six gym badges. I'm still trying to get my way to Cinnabar Island. Um, but we don't see what's in there. We just see him give a little, mm-hmm. a little peace sign. And then he, he speaks in French to us and says, we only love heartily, but once. And that is the first time we love. He says, I am a lucky man. Foucault just says, I should have known that idea is sick. Wicked sick. Uh, before we move on to the rest of the chapter, I just uh-huh. want to say that i think that it's very sweet that rip does not know andy like the the, the encounter that they've had uh was very very brief uh but even despite that he understands the nature of andy and fuko's relationship uh so it's like oh that's like he's really connected with with these guys in this universe uh on a very deep level despite having loaned them for so little time yeah. that he's able to spot that and it's just a sweet little moment yes absolutely sorry uh we see layla and she's in a wedding dress so everyone is like yep. okay and, and, and she's standing yeah. with her father everyone's like yes this is it uh but gina's still crying and i'm like what are you crying for and she's like well it's just that i'm sure miss lotla cared a lot about you know rip and i know it's not possible but i i just wish everyone could be happy uh layla's dad is just like oh uh is he not ready yet and layla's like calm down dad it's okay you i'm have- albert einstein yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, i want off mr rip Wound's ready yet <laughs> uh but layla just the worst german <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Layla just says, don't worry. This was the day sis told us before she got on trust. So this is going to be the happiest day of our life. And Rip has showed up. Uh, but Latla is there too. And they're, uh, in their, uh, like fused boot thing. <laughs> As Latla is screaming, let me go. Damn it, Fuko, you're in on this. And everyone's like, Oh my god, what's happening? Miss Lotla's in a wedding dress. dress. (laughs) What's going on? Um, And her dad's like, wait a minute. This means there's not one bride, but two. And at that moment, their feet like unfuse as Rip announces to everyone, the three of us will be getting married. (laughs) And Lotla just screams. She's like, ow. Uh, we get a series of everyone looking shocked. Uh, their father is like fainting. He's like, oh, both of my girls on the same day to be brides. <laughs> He's like, okay with it. He's too. like, what, what am I to do? Um, and Lotla's like, wait, no one told me about this. And this, is such a, <laughs> this is such a funny detail. Yeah. And she's like, oh, and he's like, well, you say that, but you, you sure came out in a wedding dress. She's like, no, I was set up. I forgot to get a dress. I talked to Ichika or Ichiga and or Ichigo. I always forget if it's Ichi- I- I- Ichiko. 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 Uh, and she's like, oh, I have a dress for you. And it's like a really normal dress. She's like, oh, OK, fine. It's nothing flashy. The spotlight will still be on my sister. And then, like, in a moment, it, like, poofs, and it's suddenly the white dress, and she's like, the colors changed, it got more frills, the corset locked, so I can't take it off! (laughs) And she's like, you clearly set me up, you you did this. 
And Rip's like, oh, I asked him to. It was the only way. And Lala is legitimately very angry in this, but she's like, don't you understand how this looks? You're trying to bag the sister of the woman you're marrying. You're a scumbag who can't pick one woman to love. That's how it comes off to everyone. You're you're making a, a, a scene. You should know better. Why would you do this? Why are you always worrying about me? And Rip just says, it's because I love you. The both of you. And he sort of sits down on the ground as they're kind of both kneeling at this point, and he says, you know, I just kind of always wanted the three of us to be together for the longest time. I figured that was like the most natural thing, but you've been kind of keeping your distance from us, or more importantly from Layla, probably because she was sick. But she's not anymore. She's all better. These guys have cured her, so we can do what we want. We're free to choose what makes us the happiest. And I know that this is considered taboo. He says that. He's like, this is a strange thing i understand that but if this means getting the happy ending i like like not letting the happy ending i want slip away then i'd rather just refute and negate that rule and he presents two wedding rings one for each so, of them so of course that's all why he only had to just like flash what he had in his yeah. jacket to fuko and she immediately understood yeah so he says there's nothing weird about this Things well be- not nothing weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's it's unusual that's all i'll say <laughs> uh he says things will be the same as they've always been let's all three of us laugh and smile together forever that would be the pinnacle for happiness for us wouldn't it um both sisters say yes uh sure latla's like you're gonna regret this <laughs> this is not gonna go as well for you as you think me uh maybe uh and then they're like all right fuko uh rip sort of calls out to her and they're like, oh, it's because of you guys that we're able to do it, so let me join the union. And Lotla's like, don't you mean let us join? And she's, you know, staying alongside. And I guess Layla, too? I'm like, cool. I guess you'll be a huge asset to you. I, I don't know what you do. You you could have a very she impressive resume. Your, your entire personality has been, I've been a sick person my entire life. You could be like a whiz with numbers or something. I don't know. Um, But Fuko's like, yep, that's all right. You're all welcome. So we handled that. And then Rip's like, all right, what are we going to do next? And Nico comes in and is like, well, I think the next order of business is to try to make a plan on how to deal with these rules that we saw. Like, you know, we fought the 10th of them and we got smoked. So we're going to need him. We need to rescue undead because his powers of of combat are just higher than everyone else right now so maybe what we'll do is try to capture one of the 10 rules next and and, and try to like extract information from him and fuko's like no we could do this in a smarter way we just have to go ask andy himself we already know where he is and i i do like this because nika's like but we know where he is yes it's the sun. The sun. <laughs> and Fuko just says, unburn. The one who negates an object's ability to burn and combust, with him on our side, we can land on the sun. So with that, all of Union will be tracking him. Let's start Operation Rescue Andy. And we end the chapter with uh, Rip basically being like, ah... Uh, you know, I could be a little wild, but you guys are really out there. Nick, let me tell you, 
the hollering I did when I read Unburn and they're like, we're going to use him to negate the sun. sun. I was like, yes! Yeah, I was I was that baby just screaming. I was doing the yes chance in the face. I, I love this so much. Yeah, uh, we can't do it uh, on the stream or in the recording for copyright reasons, but just know that the theme of this arc of Undead and Luck is going to be Smash Mouth uh, constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't delay. Act now. Supplies are running out. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy enough that, yes, it does briefly somehow overtake the fact that the love triangle between Rip, Layla, and Lotla was resolved with just the polyamory ending, uh, which I did not think that would actually happen, and it did, Uh and... All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I think it's a totally cool ending. I think it's actually extremely cool that he just kind of notes it as like, fuck this rule. Let's negate it. Like, that's the yeah. entire philosophy right now. There should not be standards necessarily or, or you know, unspoken rules to have to follow. He loves both. Exactly. I understand it could be a little strange because they're both sisters, but there are levels mm-hmm. like polyamory doesn't have to mean you have to be right. involved with each person. That's not exactly how it works. So right. if everyone in this is a happy, you know, participant, then I think this is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, and I, it's different from like a lot of the things that we see whenever that type of relationship gets explored, particularly in like shonen manga or manga, I guess, directed towards guys, which involve a very wish fulfillment thing of like, oh, I get all the hot girls. Uh, you know, it's it's very like, you know, one, a lot of one way uh, relations uh, involved in it. Whereas with this one, there's been a lot of this on the three of them together as yeah. a family unit a, and then you know, a romantic family unit. So in this case, I think that this is a very sweet conclusion. And it's one of the few times I've seen it portrayed in fiction that feels like, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy for this, that this ended up happening. I think it's very sweet. Yeah. And I commend undead luck for always being willing to just go for it so. I, again i, I do want to like pull back to your earlier thing which was that i like i read this chapter and like i experienced the same thing everyone was like oh this is a little shocking and then like the unburn reveal about the uh, walking on the sun came out and i was like holy shit and so much so when I came back to this chapter, it's like, oh, right, the wedding. <laughs> like, I had forgotten what the rest <laughs> of the, I had forgotten what the gra- like vast majority of this, this, this situation was. But yeah, I, I do agree with you. Um, this is uh, a, cert- a thing that has never really been handled with any kind of tact in my experience, at least not that I can think of immediately. I- There's like uh, harem manga that I've had, like everybody wins yeah. endings and stuff like that. But like... They never really felt like they got it. It felt like that was more of like a we don't want to piss off the groups of the mm-hmm. the, the characters that aren't chosen kind of thing. Right. Uh, Ninja's right. Is, if this was a love triangle, Nick, does this become a one sided triangle to take us back no. uh, three months no. ago? No, it doesn't. I think not. so. This is the, the no. one sided triangle is finally here. No, if it's a one-sided triangle, then that means it is a worse version of this, where it's male-centric. and is it ah, so like a, a That's the way to refute this, Nick. You, you fight against the patriarchy. That's right. There we go. All right. Uh, this is a fun chapter, though. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm super excited for Unburn. Let's go see Engine again. 
let's see this guy yeah. and i don't know it's just very cool I, I like this is a character i was like i wonder how you do this in an interesting way because like you know we're reaching a point where like the only characters left to like gather up are like juez top tatiana like major mm-hmm. characters uh and then you're like oh yeah there's also like engine and bunny and I was like, I, w- I don't know how you do that, especially as things escalate so high. Saying that this dude can help them land on the sun is absolutely a way to make it happen. <laughs> Based on the way Gina reacts to this event, it does make you wonder, like, so are a bunch of members of Union going to realize that polyamory exists? <laughs> How's that going to affect them? <laughs> how wild would that be if, like, at the end of this, Gina's like, wait, we could all just date Andy. <laughs> <laughs> And we could all just date Fuko. This is perfect. No, yeah, all right. <laughs> um, okay, anyway, moving on to Blue Box. Chapter 25. You know what that means. You know what that means. The chapter's titled, you know what that means. I'm not making up. Anyway, so last time, uh, a friend of, oh God, Akari's. Got it. I got it. I didn't fumble it. It's okay. Uh, she and, uh, and Akari approach Taiki and the friend just flat out says like, hey, are you seeing anyone right now? Uh, and because, you know, he's like, yeah, she says, it feels like since we started high school, everyone has kind of found that special someone. So I was just wondering if you had anyone just kind of play, tries to play it off. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, very much just trying to clearly trying to like for scope for your friend. Right. And uh, Taiki just says very calmly. Sorry, I can't tell you. Doesn't freak out about it, just you know, handles it very diplomatically. Mm-hmm. And uh, then some of his friends are like, hey, we're, we're heading out. And so he has to go with them. He's like, all right, yeah, good, good luck go with you, all your competition stuff, guys. Uh, Akari's friend says to her as he goes off, if he says he can't tell us, you know what that means. I feel like you can interpret it a couple of ways. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think the way you would read it is if you say, sorry, I can't tell you the way I would say it is he can't tell us because there is somebody but there he's is not, not saying it. Because if right. it was the answer was no, you would. I feel like you would just say no. Most people wouldn't play coy about if they weren't. Yeah, either. there's no one you're trying to protect if it's just yourself, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're having a scavenger hunt, and Kyo, Kyo, Kyo. is one of the representatives for the red team. So uh, Hina and uh, oh gosh, I've forgotten her name. I don't know. Uh, Hina and Ayame. No, Ayame. Ayame. It is Ayame. Uh, so they're you know on the cheer team and like yeah, do it and. And Ayama is very specifically singling out Kyo and just like, if you don't win, I'm going to make you let me copy your homework <laughs> and all the English assignments during the break. Uh, Matsuoka pops up nearby her after that very specific threat. Uh, and uh, uh, he's like, oh, hey, how are you doing? And she, and she says, oh, we can't be seen together because there's been like rumors about us circulating since Valentine's Day. And Matsuoka just says, oh, oh, yeah. Why are you grinning? Well, it's just rumors. Yeah, but... But... And he says, well, look, as long as we don't care, you know, it doesn't affect us. So, you know, they can say whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, unless you have a thing for me. Yeah. Just, no, Ooh. no, I don't. <laughs> nope, I do not. Uh, so, But he laughs it off. He's, he's clearly very comfortable around her, and it's nice to see this kind of 
bond f- has formed between them, this very friendly bond. Uh-huh. Uh, and Ayame says, like, eh, but, and she starts to hesitate, and Matsuoka realizes what's going on in her head, and he says, oh, is it that you're wanting to make sure that someone doesn't get the wrong idea? Uh, I love uh, how this cast has expanded in such a way in the relationship. Like, this is an entire plot line. An entire plot line with multiple characters does not involve Taiki or Chinatsu whatsoever. Yeah. The main couple yeah. is completely separate from this, and there's, like, a super compelling narrative without them. It's so good. Yeah. And at that moment, before Ame can really think of a response, Kyo comes up and Kyo. says, oh, Magic, come with me. Kyo! That's where he goes every time he walks up behind you. He can never sneak up on anyone because you just hear Kyo. <laughs> uh, so he comes up and grabs her by the wrist. He's like, hey, Manager, come with me. Uh, and suddenly drags her off. And she's like, what, 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 what's happening? What, what? And Kyo just says, like, you said I had to get first place, remember? Uh, and Ame realizes, like, oh. I'm being taken for something for the scavenger hunt. Why? What was the prompt that he had to get someone for? Kina was was right next to me. What? And she tries to dismiss it in her head, even as she's still being dragged off by the wrist. And she's like, it's probably something. It's probably something silly anyway. Ah, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and, uh, it looks like they get a point because the red team's the first one to actually have uh, an answer for this, which is someone with pigtails. And Ayame you know, hears that, and she's clearly kind of disappointed. She's like, "Yeah, I knew it," uh, but she tries to kind of play play it up because she's like, "Yeah, I, I you know, I, I figured it would be too much if you had chose me for a girl who's super cute, sophisticated, elegant, and lovely." Yeah. <laughs> she had a very elaborate uh, idea of what it was for a moment. Yeah. Uh, and she was like, yeah, if you needed someone with two updos, then Hina was right there. And Kyo says, you're right, but you have your hair and pigtails, which is just what I needed. There's something very, like, interesting about that line that I that did that did grab me when I first read it. I think it's the which is just what I needed part. The just idea what? of saying you were just what I needed, even though in his mind, it's a very clinical thing. He's like, I understand. I probably could have argued that the two like buns are basically like a pigtail. He's like, you have pigtails. It's just what I needed. And that's why she has a she has like a bit of a quizzical expression. But I feel like it also hit her that same way as well. Yeah, it's she's been hit by it but also she doesn't know how to feel about because and because then she's like what do you mean by that yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you don't need to know <laughs> so uh and then we cut from there later on haruto approaches kyo uh yeah. and he says yo senpai <laughs> uh and he's and he's like where's taiki senpai and uh they're, they're everyone got there is just like oh taiki had something to do and he's so he's eating elsewhere because everyone's kind of having a midday lunch break right now uh, and Hart is like, oh, yeah, well, I, I got all these sweets from some upperclassmen I don't know. <laughs> I thought I would share them. <laughs> um, but uh, he just kind of looks around and, you know, knowing that Taiki's not there, he's like, oh, he sure is a busy guy. And of course, Taiki has gone to meet up with Chinatsu. Uh, the, they're going to meet up in the storage room that they had, like, one of their first meals together at. And so they sit down to eat. 
uh, and uh, they talk about the competition for a little bit. You know how Chinatsu's team is leading by a little while, and she's like really fired up. She gets competitive. She's like, "We're not going to lose in the final relay." She's really intense about this, uh, and uh, then she brings up so the girls in our class swap headbands with their boyfriends, and Taiki says, "I mean, yeah." You- you can't do that between the red and blue teams. And she says, yeah, it's true. If we were on the same team, I could, you know, cheer for you. Aww. Aww. <laughs> um, Taiki thinks about it for a minute. And then he says, look, I know what we agreed about before, but it's okay if people find out that we're dating because it's been a while that we've been dating. But Chinatsu brings up, like, but if a bunch of people find out about school, then someone at home's going to find out about it. And she imagines you know, Taiki's mother getting really pissed off about it. But Taiki says, does Taiki oh. have a, a sibling? I don't think he does. I, I don't know why. For a moment, I was like, does he have a younger sibling or have I just conjured that out of my imagination? I think you have. OK. Um, But uh, he says, like, you know, like. If my fi- family finds out, they're my family. So they'd probably get mad at me if they got mad at anyone. I don't think it'd be that bad. But Shinatsu is clearly worried about what her own parents would think about the situation. Uh-huh. She doesn't really voice that in this moment because something happens. Some people are outside and they're looking for a piece of equipment for an extension cord reel. And so they go towards the storage closet where Taiki and Shinatsu are eating in secret. Ooh, their secret rendezvous is going to be intruded upon. Gasp! Ah! Um, I feel like this is the first, like, this is a red, not a red herring. This is going to be, like, a little twist or something. But I do feel like setting up Haru to be looking for Taiki means Haru will find them. It could be the case. Sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, so, you know, a couple interactions. It'd be nice to see someone who knows that there are a couple interacting with the two of them, because that's something we really haven't seen uh, yeah. up to this point. We've gotten We've a couple seen, characters like, interact with one side of the couple who know they're like, you know, right. uh, Karen and, and uh, Chinatsu, for example, and stuff like that. But it would be interesting to see someone have to actually see them and interact with them. Right. As while well, there being a couple out somewhere. Uh, maybe that's going to be the case here. Uh, but, but yeah, just another cute chapter of Blue Box. Uh, I really like the stuff between Kyo and Ayame uh, and how like how in denial about how self-conscious she is <laughs> that she's being. Uh, it's very sweet and yeah. also some nice cute moments. All right, Nick. Vroom, okay. vroom. It's Chainsaw Man. Chapter 148, room 606, sword. So... <laughs> This is such a stupid thing that they have to do with the beginning of this chapter. Just some guy, some yeah. asshole has pointed out Denji and is like, he's a wannabe chainsaw man. And some other people in the crowd are like, what he is? Are you sure? Uh, and Denji's like, I'm not one of them. And the guy's like, you don't fool me. You can turn at any moment. I know one when I see one. Disrespectful kids like you all turn into pseudo chainsaw men. I knows it. I have always known it, even though it's only just happened five minutes ago for the first time. So 
very realistic portrayal of, uh-huh. uh, of, a, of a human being. Yes, <laughs> this, this is one of the most accurate portrayals of humans I've seen recently. Just pure paranoia and fucking idiocy in three seconds. So, uh, people are trying to say, like, it's it's fine. It's it, Look, uh, hang on. What's, and what's her name? The bodyguard. I can't remember her name. She's been around for so long. I need to remember her I, name. I, I fortunately do not remember her it's name. It's very important. People are going to be mad at me if I don't know the name Blow of the new job girl. Devil <laughs> 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 uh, Hunters. Okay. Uh, so she says like, look, we're with the fucking public safety devil hunters. I've got proof of this right here. And when it's like, we saw a public safety agent turn into one of them too. Fujiko so eventually, is what people are saying. Eventually they say like, look kid, why don't you just like show us your chest and then we'll just move on. And of course, then she's got the real fucking, uh, thing on his chest. So that's not going to help them. Oh boy. It's Fumiko. Fumiko yes. Yeah. Okay. So uh, they demand this. Quan Chi sees how this is gonna go, and she just and she just says, "Run!" Mm-hmm. Uh, what one of the devil hunters that's also there takes out his gun and aims a shot at them, and Quan uh, Chi just lashes her hand out and lets the bullet hit her wrist and stops it. Uh, and at that moment, Fumiko turns to look at what's just happened. And Quanji just says, run again. And Fumiko looks really upset, but runs off anyway. I, I'm not sure how to process A ship has that. emerged. <laughs> Is that what you... Okay. That, I'm, I'm on board with that. If that's She looked worried about her. <laughs> um... Uh, I, yeah, this is a hard scene to process. Yeah, she does look very concerned, but also you're just like, well, you know, she's not really hurt. Like, you saw this woman jump from a fucking building and, and crush like explode her legs and then pop back up so you know she's not i i could i guess i could just understand the idea of like being concerned even if you know there's someone's invulnerable you're like i just don't want to see them hurt or in pain or you know, whatever so i i guess it's that but otherwise i'm still trying to figure out where like the concern intention is because i'm like it, now that we know the situation's gone foobar then you know quanji could just fucking you know rotisserie these guys at a second they just Basically. fucking dice and slice them you know she could just kind of like big brother them and just kind of <laughs> push them yeah, away she just squeezes the top of their head until they're like oh, I'm, going to, I'm going to bed <laughs> um, meanwhile Yoshida had attacked Asa in her home and as she was trying to transform her apartment into a weapon chopped her arm off and now they're both shocked because Asa, in response to a killing blow coming towards her head, had raised her hand up and stopped the blade. Hmm. And it hurt a little bit. Interesting. Uh, so Yoshida tries to finish things off with with octopus, but Asa declares again, room 606 sword and the entire room disappears around them. Uh, she's it's very cool. Wrapped up in the tentacle, but like they're like out in the open because all the walls, the ceiling, everything are gone and you can like see into the structure of the next floor up. Mm. Uh, and uh She's got the sword, so 
immediately the octopus is cut in half as Yoru emerges and she's got Asa's entire room as a sword now. Like, there's so much going on with it. I can't even tell what any part of it is. Yeah, there's like a <laughs> propeller at, at a portion of it and like piping, all sorts of stuff going on here, like a grate maybe. It's really cool to look at. I'd, I'd love like just a, like a more visually uh, distinct look at the weapon, but it is a really cool moment. Hmm. And Yoru is really hyped up. She's like, ha, we turned into a weapon without even touching it. Incredible. Our power is increasing. Uh, and Yoshida takes a fighting stance against her and then uh, runs away. <laughs> yeah, uh, this was actually one of the more um, confusing bits here. Yes. I think what happens is Yoru tries to attack and she just has so much power in this sword that it sends her flying. It, it reads a little easier now. The first time I read it, I had zero idea what was happening. I thought Yoshida had like, knocked her back. But I guess it's just that this sword is so powerful. Like it had like an engine or speed picked up or something like that. She, mm -hmm. she crashes into a wall. Uh, we don't see the precursor to the attack we just see her mm. speed lines as she impacts the wall behind Yoshida and her then ending up in the wall so yeah it's kind of hard to tell like oh she attacked him and ended up just over there and she just mentions like oh this might take some adjustments because she missed uh and immediately Yoshida's just gone he's like nope this is not not hanging around fuck this <laughs> uh so Yoru somersaults out of the building uh, she's still missing an arm, uh, but she does not give a shit. She sees that everything is on fire uh, when she reaches street level, and she starts laughing gleefully and says, the world remembers me at long last. Very, very cool. Yep. So Yoru is uh, very strong now, it seems, uh, or at least she has access to some very powerful weapons, thanks to Asa. Uh, and possibly some other stuff is going on. Um, there was some, some speculation in the chat. I know about exactly what happened with uh, the sword coming is like, as in, is your correct that they don't need to touch stuff they make into a weapon or is it because her arm got chopped off. So technically she was touching the floor. Yeah. Now she's touching she the floor it. now. Um, right. Yeah. I don't exactly know. I will say that the ending is very, very funny. I do love uh, you're walking downstairs as the world's fucking exploded into chaos in the last 10 minutes and her just be like, ah, yes, you finally greet me. War. Excellent. Uh, I think that's just a very, uh, funny idea for her to be super excited about. But also, uh, I think a level of this might just be because things have descended into chaos and there's so much fighting mm -hmm. that she is stronger as the war devil. More people are fearing war as a result. So her power is growing. That also might explain why she was able to just block Yoshida's sword with her hand. Right. So cool stuff there. Um, cool stuff. That's all I'll say, I guess. Yep. Kaiju number eight, chapter 97. Last time, Kaiju number nine emerged through a portal from the body of Kaiju number 15 right in front of Mina, declaring her as his target. So she has the power to destroy really powerful Kaiju. Uh, and uh, everyone is shocked that this has happened. And Kaiju number nine points at Mina. 
uh, and everyone's reacting to this. Kafka immediately yells out, oh, Mina, and starts running off. Uh, everyone's tries to make it there, and and Kafka reflects on like it's just like with you know the general director Isao, uh, and he of course has known Mina for you know their entire lives, and so he knows that like oh shit, she's in really big trouble right now, uh, and he knows what has happened to Isao. He's like, I'm not gonna let that happen. But Kaiju number nine says, number eight, you'll never make it here, and all of a sudden a whole ton of new kaiju readings start popping up everywhere as a whole ton of bodies just show up all over Tokyo. Uh, unidentified kaiju that are all like taller than buildings. Uh -huh. uh, and everyone's like, shit, these things are like all four to level eight. These are all daikaiju class and there's a ton of them. Uh, not like super specialized kaiju like the previous ones, but there's a ton of them and everyone has already exhausted themselves at their limit dealing with the, the previous wave of enemies. Uh, and there's some some random guys like, oh, no, we're screwed. But Kafka thinks about the promise that he made with Mina that he would be there by her side. Uh, and how she took solace in that, thinking that as long as they were together, it wouldn't be that scary. And Kafka just says, Mina's over there. I have to get to her. So out of my way. One of the kaijus blasts him with a sero, uh, and uh, all the others start launching stuff too, and explosions pop up everywhere. And that is where we end our chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, so things look bad. I mean, this seems like a, mm -hmm. a really rough situation. I really don't know uh, how they get out of this, not just how do they get to uh, Mina in time, but just everyone is kind of pushed back. We we see like every sort of significant character here is kind of drained. Uh, they all went through very, very difficult fights. Uh, what are they going to do? But I, I think what we're going to follow right now is definitely Kafka kind of trying to fight his way to her. Uh, and I'm kind of intrigued to see that. Um, we will see more. Things look bad right now, though. Yep. Uh, that okay. is true. We haven't seen Reno. That is true. Uh, yeah, we haven't seen every important character so far. Uh, yeah. There might be someone who can come in and have a big hero moment in this yeah. still. All right, Nick, let's get those peanuts. Spy family mission 90 uh anya and yor are taking bond for a walk and uh, anya says she wants to go to the park with the big obstacle course so they go to the park with the big obstacle course uh she starts playing in the playground and stuff but she hears some kids nearby uh talking about an old man sitting on a bench near there and they're like oh doesn't he creep you out oh yeah yeah he's you and they start even saying, it's like, you know what people say, like, you know, when someone's acting strange, they could be an enemy spy and you've got to report them because he could just be, you know, waiting for his contact, just sitting there all day. Old man feeding the pigeons. So Ana hears all this and things are so, oh, a spy. If he's a bad guy spy, I got to take him down. So I'll read his mind and expose his secret plan. And she reads his mind and he's just thinking, I want to go home. I want to go home, but I can't because I'm lost. And uh, Anya's disappointed, I think, <laughs> or 
some of the guys start, you know, saying, saying like, hey, what are you doing here? You're a spy. And so he, the man gets upset and he and he and he runs off. Uh, so they're like, ha ha, we saved the country. Stupid kids. Uh, and uh, so Anya is like, I'm on an adventure. Goes playing <laughs> on the playground. She's four. Yeah, um, I was going to say, I actually kind of appreciate that she wasn't immediately like, oh, the, these these mean boys are being mean to this old man. She is a child who's like, oh, go on swing. Oh, go on. Jean yeah, uh, it's only it's man. only once the situation kind of more directly right. starts to evolve. Her, she's like, OK, let me do right thing. Uh, the old man uh, shows up at the playground at then like climbs the steps on the jungle gym like they're the steps to his home and he starts calling out Barbara dear I'm home oh she must be upstairs uh, and he like almost slips and falls on those kind of like suspended log things that make up you know like children's bridges uh, and they're like who put this trap on the second floor <laughs> uh, and uh, then he realizes like what? who are you where am I? And uh, Yor finally comes over, and uh, she gets the situation and everything. And she's like, "Oh, do you remember? Do you remember your address?" And the man says, "Oh, we just moved today." And mumbles, and uh, he looks up into the sky and he's like, "Dear, I hope you can forgive me for rotting away in this park and leaving you all alone." It's so sad. He looks to the sky as though he's saying goodbye to her spirit. Like, I hope you can forgive this old man. It's like, stop this. Get him home. <laughs> uh. So Yor starts, you know, patiently saying, like, do you remember, like, any clues, any landmarks near your home? And Anya's like, I'll just read his mind. Uh, and, of course, he that doesn't help. He doesn't know the address. He's just like, my home is nice and warm. Yeah. I want to go home and watch TV. <laughs> he's, he's very sweet. He does not. His brain is not uh, operating on the way that Anya can mm. understand right now. So, yeah, he just says that his memory hasn't been very good recently. Um, and uh, so they're like, OK, uh, is there do you have anything like on your person that could help you? And the man reaches into his pocket uh, and it's a note that Scott says, like, you know, vegetables and stuff. on. He's like, oh, I was going to do shopping at the market. So Yor says, OK, well, maybe if we go to, to go this way to the nearest marketplace, then maybe that'll jog your memory. Uh, and she does apologize to Anya, saying, like, okay, we're going to escort this this man where he needs to go, so we, we've got to leave the playground, and Anya's disappointed and stuff. And the man thinks, oh, I'm sorry, I'll find a way to repay you. Maybe there's something I can give her. We don't have food in the fridge. Uh, I don't, did I bring my wallet? Maybe I could add them to my will. And Anya says, uh, he says that if we take him home, he'll add us to his will and give us lots of money. <laughs> uh, so is now excited because she's been promised money yeah. in her mind. Uh, they, they, I like it because it's not even subtle. Like the next scene, she's like, we're going to be gajillionaires. And yours like, no, no, no. <laughs> They take him to the marketplace. Uh, the man just observes like how the area has changed a lot. Uh, so you are asking him, like, oh, did, did you used to live here? And the man says, I used to teach at the university, I think. Doesn't even know that. Um, and But he does talk about how, you know, like the district has, has changed and how uh, it used to be full of like orphan children. Everyone's eyes were on the skies watching for the next bomb or on the ground searching for anything of value. Not a single soul would be out just walking the streets. Ooh. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, just kind of like mumbling to himself while thinking like random thoughts, uh, including like, you know, it's like, I've got to walk looking down so I don't step in dog poo. And I was like, now he's saying stuff about poo. <laughs> poo, poo. Uh, they come to a fountain nearby. Uh, and the man thinks it's a shower briefly, and they're like, no, it's not a shower. Uh, and then they keep on going, and they go back to the park. They've just come in a complete circle. Uh, and uh, so then he thinks that he recognizes another place. It turns out that it's actually a mafia's hideout somehow, so Yor has to take them both to safety really quickly. Uh, then the old man thinks that... Uh, his he smells his wife's favorite flowers so that must be the house oh it's because it's a flower shop oh. uh, and they keep on going around and around and around uh and having to remind him like i'm not your wife sir i'm not i'm not your wife you know maybe this is in your home uh and eventually uh he gets really you know depressed and says like I, i'm not used to being around anyone i'm just a senile old man i'm sorry and anya says i'm having a lot of fun this has been a great adventure so man man gives her a pat on the head and says thank you for not making fun of an old man's failings it's very sweet would you like a, would you like a waffle <laughs> Just a little waffle shop. He's such a sweet little man. He's like, you're all being so kind to me. Can I get you a waffle, Nick? (laughs) When I'm old, can I buy a child who's helping me a waffle? Sure. Wow. Waffle money in like 30 years? I don't know if I'm having that, Nick. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I do love this next panel when they go to get a waffle because... The man's, you know, occasionally mumbling and Anya's translating, which is reading his mind and interpreting it how she sees fit. So she says, uh, he says, I'm just like his adorable little granddaughter and he wants to give me waffles and will will me his entire estate. He says he didn't actually say that. <laughs> <laughs> so he may not be all there, but he's also not not all there. Yeah. So. You can sometimes understand what's going on. And seeing the old man and Anya spending time together, your thinks... You know, my parents are gone. Lloyd's parents are gone. Anya's never experienced what it's like to have a grandparent. And I guess I never have either. But you can't miss what you've never known, so I can't say I was ever sad about it. <sighs> it's very it's 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 sad, but it's also it's it starts off sweet that she's just like, oh, Anya's never experienced uh, the affection of like a grandparent before she's never had that so this is very nice and then it's her being like also oh, I haven't uh, but I'm an adult and I don't get to enjoy things uh, it's fine that I have nothing and you're like oh I think that that's called uh, societal generational trauma mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the after effects of a war um, the old man uh, is going to his pocket. Something falls out. And so it, they realize it's a coupon. Anya specifically realizes it's a winning ticket from a raffle that they hold at the candy shop. Because, of course, she would have that fact memorized. It's very essential, important information. Uh-huh. Uh, and the old man realizes, oh, I went to the candy shop because I wanted sweets to eat on the way I to the market. I went out to the candy shop. Oh, you like a lollipop. <laughs> I heard that song on the radio recently, you know. <laughs> just like my it reminded me of the way that I was as a young man <laughs> it reminds me of my barber I lick her care lollipop up and down and they're like sir what do you <laughs> stop this is a child 
My daughter is six. <laughs> never, never too old to hear the classics. <laughs> uh, so the uh, they come to the, they go to the candy shop, and uh, Anya's like, "We could we should use the coupon to get some candy because, of course, she is." But Bond is there, and he recognizes something and follows the man's scent trail, and leads them back to your and Anya's building. And at first, yours like, he wasn't following your scent. He was following our scent. Uh, but wouldn't you know it, just nearby, Barbara, the old man's wife, comes out the door and she says, Sigmund, what on earth have you been doing all this time? <laughs> She's so nonplussed by everything. And he rushes over and gives her a big hug and says, what do you mean you're so glad to see me? You're supposed to be helping me move. <laughs> Oh, I and didn't. I didn't, the I, didn't building. I didn't know this character's name is Sigmund. I believe we'll have to give him a different voice. Ugh! This has uh, great big problems for me to consider here. I finally oh, yes. found my way home. Oh, the uns and the A sprechen die taste. <laughs> Just all the wrong verbs. <laughs> So Lloyd has been uh, helping them move in. And of course, he's thinking himself while doing it. He's like, it's important we establish good relationships with the neighbors for the sake of the mission. Because, like, come on, dude, calm down. Um, so, yeah, wouldn't you know it? Sigmund and Barbara are their neighbors. Uh, their new neighbors that have, that have come in. And uh, Anya is calling them Grandpa Sigmund and Grandma Barbara, which is very cute. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, so they have just, uh, you know, exchange pleasantries and stuff. And Sigmund gives Barbara some flowers that he bought. It's very cute. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, I love you. It's like, oh, yeah, you think you're going to give that? I'm going to forgive you that easily to say you love me. It's, like, it's so sweet. <laughs> it's Two old people. Yeah, and I love it. You just see like a whole bunch of kisses going on. And just Anya like, kissy, kissy. Uh, it's very and Anya, cute. And, and, both, and both Lloyd and you are really uncomfortable. <laughs> so like, uh, let's go back up to our room. <laughs> uh, let's go back up to our loveless, sexless house. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's not loveless. Uh, I also like that Bond's just like sitting there very happy. Like, no, this is yeah, being a dog. Very cute. Uh, look, I think this is very sweet. The idea that we're going to get uh, kind of grandparent characters in here does feel like an advancement the story should have. Uh, you can have cute uh, moments with these characters. We established that the uh, uh, Sigmund was a professor at one point in time, so there may be some connection to this character. To can, yeah. And this can be an element that gets explored. Uh, but also just it's more room for like more family. You know, not everything has to be about the spy, Nick. Sometimes it's about the family. Family. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, this, this chapter resonated uh, a lot with me. Um, recently my grandmother, uh, was diagnosed with, um, oh gosh, with a, a complete, no, I've forgotten the name of it, which is part of the symptoms that she's Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's, yeah. Um, and like to the point where, you know, like family members, sometimes she struggles with their names yeah. now. Uh, and it's, uh, been really um, like you hear about it, uh, but to actually like see it firsthand with someone you know uh, suffering under that, uh, it's it's a trip. It's um, it's not not cool. Yeah. It's um, and it's really hard to just kind of like wrap your brain around. I was like that this is happening to them, uh, and this chapter dropped 
a, the day that I went to visit her uh, at her where she lives now for the first time, which is an assisted living facility. Uh, so the fact that that all happened on the same day, we may be like, Phew. um, that's, that's so, a heavy, a heavy, lo- uh, heavy hit to have to take. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, it was really nice to see this demonstration by like Anya and your of, you know, like having the patience to help this person. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes like his forgetfulness is played for a little bit last, but I do really like the moment of Anya just being like, Oh, I'll just read his mind. And it's like, no, he doesn't know. He can't bring up the memory. So of course reading his mind is not going to help. Um, I liked that just very blunt and plain like explanation of it of how serious is and literally getting inside this mind's head and seeing how scary that can be yeah not knowing what's going on and just wanting to just go back home and it being a very confusing and difficult thing uh because you know you can't remember where you live or you can't remember that you live in a new place now and stuff uh and it handled in the same way that Spy Family, Spy Family handles all of its stuff, which is in this generally very cute kind of manner when it comes to its humorous stuff. So it's not super heavy or anything. So it was nice to see it processed in a way that was optimistic and nice and ended on the note of he does have this support system and he's got this new support system, too, of people that he's met that hopefully are going to continue to get along with him and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that was just what I want to add to that. Uh yeah but thank you for sharing that um yeah i think that is a sentiment that a lot of people shared uh and i think it is it is nice to see uh a level of respect shown to this that isn't just like look at the silly old man but more yeah you said the patience uh, it's definitely appreciated and it makes me look forward to seeing more of this character in the future um now, I don't know how the easiest way to transition from what you just said to talk about Eden Zero. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, talk about Eden Zero, Chapter 264, Override. Uh, I have forgotten much of what this chapter is about. So this is going to be, I guess, a partial live reading. Um, I do not remember uh, <laughs> okay. what happened. I know I read this chapter. I think it ends with like a, a couple pages in the flashback, but uh, we open uh, Laguna has defeated Lightning Law. Of course, the Clash for the Ages. Uh, I'm just penciled in right now for my fight of the year. This is one that's really going to go down <laughs> to history books. Uh, but Laguna is, of course, done. He's, he's spent all of his energy. I've cleaned up all the messes for you, Shiki. Uh, we cut over to Shiki and Rebecca. They are uh, now on foot because they reached a point where you can't take the ship anymore. Their little rider ship. Again, I have no idea how small the ship is, uh, but they're like, yeah, we can't take it through any more of this hallways. Uh, but she's like, wow, I can't. Believe- it looks like in a pinch they could fit the ship through the doorway that they've just opened up in front of it. So, yeah, absolutely. But uh, Rebecca is just like, oh, Shiki, I can't believe you're crazy enough to try to take on the Eden's one alone. And he's like, funny thing for you to say, Mr. Girl or Mrs. Girl, who has a power that doesn't exist in this universe, but you use it anyway. Uh, but we're not going to talk about the fact that she got naked in order to use it to help you. <laughs> 
who cares uh she has the crazy part to me she has pants back on so she's fine now um no i'm saying why aren't they talking oh who cares nick (laughs) i assume this operates under the same philosophy of natsu and and lucy which was like eventually he was like we see you naked so often it doesn't mean anything anymore um they see like a, a almost I don't want to say shining star, but they see like, you know, the energy signature of someone flying and they're like, oh, my gosh, that ether. This really giving me the creep. Uh, that's only one thing then void. But where is he headed? And he's 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 real upset. Um, he, he seems determined. We cut over to the Eden Zero. It's it's getting attacked by all these dragons. It's going to explode in seven minutes. We're 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 going to be done for. Do something, Hermit. She's like, I'm trying. Killer's like, you can't. My code is perfect. And she's like, I found it. <laughs> Very entertaining. We watched her clack her, her fingers on a virtual keyboard for a while. And she's like, I fi- I figured it out. But there's a hang up, Nick. It'll take it over. I'm sorry. Yeah, the Eden Zero is not going to explode and kill them all. Um, they will need an override key, though. And the only way to do that is to get the override. Com- yeah, they need to get the uh, voice commands of all four shining stars. So we come over to Sister, who at first I was like, I don't understand why Sister is in her underwear. And then I was like, you know what? I probably forgot it happened somewhere in the BDSM stuff that happened a couple chapters ago. So whatever. Um, they're like, all right, I need the override key for everybody. Um, I guess Sister does give the key, but Valkyrie and Sister uh, Witch, they specifically say they can't right now because they are fighting. They cannot give the authorization code while they are fighting. Basically, it'll it'll distract them too much. Sure. So sure. those fights are going on. Uh, Wise uh, takes his shirt off and yes. hermit's like why are you doing this and he's like well there's there's a uh, a user-friendly dive system in the hangar right i'm gonna pop over to the digital world and punch that guy's lights out and i pay him back for what he did in the last world and mm-hmm. i'm kind of saying there, i'm like i don't did they establish you need to take your shirt off to do that is that a thing that was established why is your shirt off or are you just like um, I, hey I, sometimes you just pop your top off you know it happens yeah uh it could be that um <laughs> ether gear i don't know there you go perfect <laughs> cut over to witch she's having her fight uh wizard is like ah you will use your override key to force stop the ship and sister uh, which is like i have no time i'm gonna throw this big ball of fire or something at you and he he blocks in uh, clash there's there's like a two-page panel and uh wizard is like ah but we're both robots cr- created by the same person why do you uh side with the humans and she's like because master ziggy loved humans and so do i and he's like no humans must be destroyed that's why we will destroy mother and she's like no we won't let you and he's like too late void is on his way to destroy mother and we see uh that shot of void kind of flying through space um and it looks like we're headed that way this feels very final who's void <laughs> Void is uh, the anonymous bad guy they've established. He's like the, he's sort of like the consciousness, I think, of the Eden's one or the yeah, the Eden's one that they established. Oh right, before. one one void, one void. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, he's 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 a bad dude. We gotta stop this guy. Cut over flashback time twenty thousand years ago. 
uh, bad things have happened, Nick. It's, yes. It's the world is in a bad place. Uh, there have been massive earthquakes and eruptions and meltdowns. This planet is pretty much done for. Uh, but this, uh, you know, there's like a news report that's like everyone remain calm. Spend your last day, your last moments with your loved ones. Uh, and then Ziggy shows up at the end to go, ah, a dying planet. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So, um, it, presumably this is all leading up to like, okay, and this is how it turned out that Ziggy designed the androids to look after the, to, you know, after the people that he met in the scenario. But it's, it, it really has just kind of felt like all the people that we've met in this timeline are just, you know, the four shining stars, but in different clothes because uh-huh. uh, we've gotten to know them. Don't forget, what is the doctor who surfs sometimes? Uh, two of them are engaged. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember that much. That was a big uh, one. That was a big end of yeah. chapter reveal. Because we hadn't actually ever really gotten to know them at all, uh, it just kind of feels like, oh, we're going to tell the story of how he met the people that he designed the four shining stars after. Oh, how did that happen? Well, he met some people and designed the four shining stars after them. Like, it, it doesn't feel like this has been fleshed out in any way that seems significant because we didn't spend any time actually getting to know these characters. It was just, here's the bare bones points of how we got to this point where the world was in this state up to Ziggy showing up in order Uh to encounter them. Now, things could take a turn from here, obviously. Uh, You know, if there's a slightly longer flashback this time, maybe there are going to be slightly longer flashbacks where we're actually going to see maybe Ziggy get to know some of these people and then, you know, like, see what kind of effect they have on him in order to result in him creating the four shining stars and stuff. But feels like probably not. Uh, Obviously, this is like a big deal, too, because like this is the end of the world in terms of like, you know, what led to Ziggy's big grand philosophy or like, oh, we got to do all this stuff and we got to go with these extreme measures in order to preserve the worlds and everything like that. But uh, I again, it feels like the important thing should be having made connections with the people that he's going to preserve or honor in this way. And we haven't. So, yeah, um. We spend so much time talking about this series that sucks uh, when there's better <laughs> series that end up getting shortchanged. So I'm not going to add a lot to this. I, I really just want to say that I th- I feel like I'm a little surprised. It, it feels like we're cutting closer to the end. I know Eden Zero is always going to at a weird pace, but it really does feel like this might be the final arc. Uh, I think what like three other Asian six have been handled at this point. All the other dark stars are in a fight. We already know that Cure sucks, so I guess we'll just reveal Lady Freya at some point so Hamora can beat her up or fucking somebody else. I don't know who. Uh, Jin, who knows? Uh, and then, you know, let's wrap this up, basically. But um, we're moving towards the end, and this still sucks. So that's all I really yeah. want to say. Cypher Academy, Chapter 48. One who is skilled in both actions and destruction. Oh. So we get an explanation of how uh, Karigane has managed to get this big up, uh, this big score over on Iroha and leave him in a vulnerable position. It is because she can read hands the same way that Iroha can read expressions. 
Uh, and she's like, even if, you know, nothing is exposed, even just through like finger movements, a flick of her wrist, the hands speak to me just as much as the mouth or perhaps even more. Uh, and so, okay, that's, that's, that's how she did it. It's a little bit like rushed because we're immediately proceeding on to like, and this is how they deal with it. Uh, you know, like the buildup to how we do you deal with it and stuff. There's just not like a lot of time used to actually build up Karigana's ability. It's just like, there's how I did. Okay. So the first thing that happens is Iroha discards an almighty, a blank tile that can be used essentially as a wild card and it can be used in position for any of the symbols in the alphabet as they're playing this, 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 uh, martial Mahjong game. And, uh, Karigana is obviously, you know, surprised by this. And so are all the onlookers and stuff. So they're like, why would, why would they do that? Uh, and she thinks, Although the all the Haku tiles are almighties, they're only treated the same as these types of tiles, which aren't needed for the Junshan meld. And immediately we start going into a lot of Mahjong terms <laughs> that Nick doesn't know. Yeah, so I, I'm going to skip them. I think this is a great chapter for us to zoom through because so much of this is like, ah, they've assembled this complicated Mahjong hand. Isn't this impressive? And I sit there and I'm like, yes. I believe you. This was a difficult hand to create. And there's all these, you know, explanations for like what these different Mahjong terms are and some of the footnotes and stuff. But uh, I don't get them. Uh, uh, what's important is that Ensa is able to declare Ron uh, and go out uh, in the next round. So she scores some points off of, uh, off of Kasuri, the fourth student that they're with. And so Iroha is like, Oh, okay. I, I think I'm starting to get it. Just like with my ability to read faces, you can't necessarily read everything. If someone does something confusing, you get confused. Uh, and so he says to Ensa, who's sitting across from him at the table, which means they do, their turns to interact with each other, pull your sleeves down to your fingertips because uh, Karigane is looking at our hands right now. And so Ensa follows his directions and starts, you know, taking her default sleeve hand form instead. Uh, and so Karigan is like, oh, wow, you, you literally just like spent the entire round just to confirm some suspicions. How do you even figure it out? And Iroha says, well, uh, when I said this thing in the previous chapter, you changed the subject. So that didn't sound like something you would normally say. So instead, I just kind of like, use some cheap trips to kind of draw you out like i would do this i would do this uh but i didn't know for sure until uh you confirmed them just now when i bluffed cool wow how did you know that you just told me blah yeah that kind of thing so but then the cool thing happens because kai guy is like look you can't you can't win there's only two rounds left i've got this massive lead over you you're not the dealer in either of the two rounds that are left I think it's about time that, you know, you get ready to head home. And Iroha thinks about what Karagana had declared previously, which is her way of saving people is going to be to send them all home uh, so that they all make it home safely. And as he starts to help shuffle the Mahjong tiles, Iroha says, you should only say that to people who actually have a home to head back to. Another fucking <laughs> raw, hard-ass line from Aroha. I, I love it when this dude just drops some fucking deep-ass line that you're like, damn, savage son. I'm sorry for that's, you. I'm sorry. That's life our sucks. hero. Hell yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, so Karigane is, is kind of like, yeah, okay, maybe I was being a little bit insensitive to your individual situation. Uh, but look, I'm still going to do this. I don't want you to freaking die. I'm going to win here. And Iroha just gets a mischievous little smirk on his face. And he says, guess that means I get to show you my trump card. And everyone's like, what is he talking about? How how could he possibly have a trump card at this point when he has up to this point had to hide all just throw everything he's had into getting to the point that he is? He's not been holding anything back to this point. Uh, so we just completely like skip over the next round because it just kind of like goes by without instant. So it just is at the last round of the game. And remember, the last place person is going to be banned from the virtual academy forever. Uh, only the person who gets in first place, who is currently Karagane, gets to advance. Iro Hazaka is uh, near is over three thirty thousand points behind everyone. Everyone else has at least six times his score. So Ensa is you know, really upset because she's like, "This I'm the one who scouted Karigane and I missed this." And she starts thinking about how she was told by Koshibai that she was the weak link, that she was just being brought along to be, you know, garbage, to be fodder, to be sacrificed. And Ira says, "Hey, Enchan, look up, look at me. If I lose, you have to clear the labyrinth. You have to become Code Emperor." And they exchange a look, and Ensa starts going into action from there. Uh, she starts discarding her tiles uh, in segments instead of going out all at once, uh, which we've seen happen before. She leaves herself with just a single tile, and I love the pose that she's left with where she's just draping her sleeves over it and on either side of it looking really determined. It's very cute. Uh, it's very nice. And so they're like, "What? what's, what's going on? Well, well she's scored 6,400 points, which means that... Karigane is, you know, ahead right now. But if if a if she gets hit, it'll take her below where Ensa is at this point from all the scoring that she's done. So she's in a vulnerable position. So Karigane is like, I get it. So the trump card the Iroha was referring to was having a friend that he could entrust his dream to. So. I've got the, this stuff that I've shown them before. If all four are exposed, there's nothing left but left that I can read about her hand because I, she's discarded everything. There's just the one tile left. I hate that, you know, self-sacrifice. It's beautiful, but I hate it. And I could dodge a single ex unexposed tile with my eyes closed. And she thinks about what she's going to do next. And she's puts a, a tile down while considering how she's going to get out of her hand. And Hero just declares, Ron, and goes out and has hit her for 24,000 points. Uh, and because of that massive turnabout, now Karigane plummets into last place and Iroha surges up past her. Uh, uh, so Ensa wins the round by a little bit, but Karigane is the one who loses, which means by her own rules, she's the one banned from the Virtual Academy. So the whole thing was actually a big distraction for Karagani, this whole thing, all events, his actions, everything up to this point. And Karagani finally realized, like, oh, my God, you used the hand that she had as a distraction and you made this plan without actually saying any words. You just exchanged a look and and that was it. And then she realizes, oh, you don't just read people's expressions. You can make people read your expressions to determine your meaning, too. Uh, it's very cool. Yeah. 
Uh, and Hero just kind of like stares at her and doesn't say anything back about it. Uh, the onlooker group kind of th- talk about it a little bit. Uh, Nohime says that Taiyu had mentioned something similar about Hiro, how he would use a lot of different facial expressions and stuff. So the game's over. Uh, Karigan is going to be banned from the Virtual Academy. So Hiro says before for she year, goes... To be fair. For a year, yes. So he says to her, look, there's that battlefield dancer that I've been trying to decipher, and I've been trying to decipher their hand signals. If you watch it, maybe you could get some different intel than I would. I like this a lot. Yeah. And Karigan is like, you know, you got third place in that match. You don't get to declare what you win off of this. Uh, and also, you're going to have to stay on this floor until you progress. Uh, but she's like, all right, uh, all, right, all right, fine. Look, I won't fight anymore. Uh, uh, and Iro is like, I'm going to let everyone move on from here. And it'll be possible as long as I've got, you know, Hanukkah Romo here. I've got Koshibai here. We'll figure something out. And he says, I wish that there was a way that I could have brought you along, too. And Karigani just says, stop it. How am I supposed to say no when I see an expression like that? And she takes her glasses off in real in reality. She takes her glasses off and it leaves the room. Mm-hmm. So cool sequence to, to end that whole um, Mahjong combat. And then we come to a different floor where <laughs> Toshusai is has taken the stand in a trial. We shall hereby begin the military trial of the war criminal Kyora Toshusai. She is in handcuffs and chains and is still crossing her arms over her chest, looking like she don't give a fuck. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I, I always find, like, uh, not mock trials, but, like, um, surprising trials. Yeah, kangaroo court things to be very amusing. Uh, they did it in Yu-Gi-Oh! in that one season. There was, like, a, a Justice League episode that where it had happened. I, I don't know. I always just find these things uh, rather amusing to watch. Uh, b- briefly looking, it does seem as though, like, some of the art characters are are going to have to take the stand as well as part of this trial, like Taiyu is there, for example. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, uh, interesting development, just moving in between all these different weird games and stuff, but this was, was a cool conclusion to the, the Mahjong match. Yeah. So it's nice. Very, very cool. Uh, Nick, we have to talk about Kagurabachi, which uh, you said that you sort of remembered. I sort of remember it. Okay, so there's a fight going on between two different sword wielders, and we cut to an hour ago. Uh, okay, they I, talk about stuff. I, I'm Moving intrigued. on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they talk about um, stakes and um, how, oh, last week was the anniversary of the war's end. Wow. It's like how last week there was a holiday. Cool. All right. Uh and they they're like oh yeah there's an exhibit for rokuhira's swords and stuff i'm sure the kids who see it look up to him as a great hero rokuhira and the enchanted blades are celebrated for bringing the war to an end revered for their role in history but if on this day we suddenly see the enchanted blades battling in the public (gasps) oh no that would make people everything is counting (laughs) <laughs> Anytime uh, I hear on this day, that's the first thing I think. Oh no! If if people see them fighting with swords, then they'll hate the swords and their legacy. And this legacy of the swords is important because 
is he's like my dad was you know it's not it's not him i guess saying it but like everyone's like oh did that that guy was a good guy he didn't make swords to kill people he made swords to protect and they helped end a war so he's actually a good guy and the children should respect him yeah okay uh <laughs> so uh douchebag guy is fighting with with Chihiro and he's like how is it you possess an enchanted blade I've never heard of because of course Chihiro's got the newer the newest blade of the ones that Rokuhiro created uh they both uh run out of the building that they're in uh and uh dash up buildings and stuff and start exchanging elemental blasts with fire and ice and stuff uh, and also Chihiro throws his wakizashi as a distraction for another slash and he gets behind him and goes for an attack from the back but he swings the sword behind him and blocks it and stuff and is, okay you know cool cool magic samurai kind of stuff for a little bit uh, and uh, then they're out in public and a creepy guy says I love Kurishigeruki Hira the weapons he created were exalted to feel a closer affinity to them. I read everything I could find about him, and just recently Cloud Gouger fell into my hands. A dream come true. Anyway, why you have a sword I've never heard of? So yeah, I, I I needed to explain to you some of my backstory. Uh, now answer my question. I, I do I like it because they, they, they are trying to connect this with how we we just learned like why there is like a thing here where they're like, hey, we want you know kids to see Rookie Hira as a great hero because our society is built upon his swords being used to create peace, and if they're used for war, that's bad. And then we immediately see somebody who's like, oh yeah, dude, his swords were fucking wicked sweet. He was an evil ass dude. I know he was. Yep. Uh, I know because of the uh, the fanfic I wrote about him. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I wrote a lot of fanfic, you know. Some of it's a little, uh, some of it's a little spicy. Dude, that's, that, that, please stop, that's my dad. A lot, a lot of times it's not Well, really... your dad was an attractive man. <laughs> your dad's a bottom. I want you to know your dad was a bottom in my stories. <laughs> He was an uke, as we call it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, your dad meets new guys and then lets all of them uh, have sex with him from behind. Uh, every time. It's without fail. Uh, I do a lot of crossover please stop. stuff. Uh, stop. Ronald McDonald, Kratos from God of War, uh, Brock from Pokemon, Brock's dad from Pokemon. <laughs> Everyone in the movies, they fuck him. <laughs> But what I'm trying to say is my Kunishige Roka here attack on AO3 has about 1,723 entries. <laughs> <laughs> All of them X-rated. Yeah. No, there was one. I did a Christmas one, you know, just like for the holidays, just something light and fluffy. I know we alluded to the butt fucking in that one. <laughs> God. Anyway. <laughs> so he demands to know if Chihiro why do you wield the sword that you have? And Chihiro says in his own, father's own words, it's to defeat evil and to protect the weak. And uh, I'm not sure if he is actually rolling his eyes in response to this, but I kind of want to th say that he is because he kind of looks like he is. Uh, and he's like, oh, I'm the only one who understands him. All the literature says the same thing. Calling him a hero. <laughs> There's only one reason to make weapons. I'll tell you what he wanted. And instead of going after Chihiro, he backs off 
the side of the building that they're on and starts descending into the crowded street below while whipping up an elemental attack. And he says, he gave birth to the enchanted blades, the ultimate weapons of slaughter, their only purpose to kill. Uh, and we get the completion of Mr. She, of, not Mr. Sheba, the aged guy's thought from earlier. If the swords were pitted against each other, casualties would be inevitable and his heroic reputation would crumble. So it's important to Jiro because, you know, he cares about his dad and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so from Cloud Gouger, a uh, lightning bolt starts churning up and he's just going to kill everyone. Uh, and with this attack, May and a huge thunder strike goes off. But when the smoke clears, Chihiro is there and he has been struck by the lightning bolt and is smoldering and bloody and stuff. And everyone else is unharmed and disperses and runs away from this immediately. So the guy demands, like, what did you do? Uh, And Jira just says, it's just like a lightning rod. When electricity meets with electricity, a lightning rod attracts lightning by emitting electricity from its tip. And so the guy realized, like, this guy has access to some sort of lightning elemental attacks, and he used it to channel all the lightning I dispersed through his katana and into himself to absorb the blast to protect everyone else. And then he's like, okay, I'll just do it again, though. (laughs) (laughs) But the lightning suddenly vanishes from his sword, and Jihiro says that, yeah, after Cloud Gouger releases a high-powered May attack, it requires an interval of 10 to 20 seconds to recharge. You're the one who doesn't understand anything. Uh, Of course, the guy's like, you've just been struck by lightning. Don't go acting all tough and stuff. Uh... Uh, so he moves it to finish him off differently, but Chihiro uh, draws his second sword, calls upon his Bernie Fish friend guys, and prepares to finish the battle. Uh, yes, this this all was ha- happened. Happened. Some of it was kind of cool, but I did forget about it uh, in between reading it. Yeah, it's not bad. I do. I I, I like certain story elements. Uh, I do like the decision to have him like use his sword as a lightning rod to to take the tank this attack so civilians get away. I always love that kind of superheroic stuff. So, all that's fine. I'm not like in love with this series. I don't hate it. It's not like as bad as it was. I don't even remember if that was last week or a couple weeks ago when they were just like, oh, we're gonna kill like a bunch of people. Uh, I, I, you know, it's fine. I, I'm having. I'm having fine fun. It's it's whelming. It's whelming. Yeah. Okay. High praise. Okay. Uh-huh. Let's talk about New Sexorcist, Nick. It's chapter 26. The Three's Secret. Uh, so last time, uh, of course, the new branch of uh, the uh, exorcists uh, was established. Uh, and uh, it's at the school, and Suo realized, like, I mean, now that we've got that, I mean, the, the occult club is essentially, like, moot. We don't really need it anymore, so, you know, I'll I'm, I'll go to the club room, and I'll, you know, move some equipment out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, she's like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen from, from now on. She goes into the room, and it's early enough in the morning that Gakuro and Hoshina have not woken up yet, so they're just in their futons, sleeping side by side. And Suo uh, just kind of Looks at them, and she just sits at the uh, in a gaming chair nearby. Just kind of kind of has her breakfast and watches them. And uh, Hoshina wakes up, spots Suo, and they're just gonna go. 
Yeah, they do a little bow. Go, <laughs> little bow. She opens up the curtains, and Gakuro wakes up. He's like, oh, Fujino, good morning. And then Sue says, oh, morning. Oh, goodbye. Oh, oh, no. It's not what it looks like. I didn't kiss anybody. And then he, probably, he falls out the window. <laughs> wow, how, do you, how do you fall out the window while he was sitting on the ground six feet away from it? That's amazing. <laughs> he fled. He tripped. Yeah. Um, and Suo just says, like, it's like I kind of already knew that you guys were staying here. I, I got a bit of the gist of it from, from Niue when I was transferred to this squad. I mean, I didn't know you guys were literally just sleeping next to each other. There's a reason for this. And so I was like, oh, man, big scoop. I should share this over line. No! He's like, I wouldn't I won't, I won't do that. It will, it'll just be our, our secret. Just It's fine. Anyway, Gakuro goes to class. and They do this joke so frequently. It's obnoxious. Like, we, we just recapped... <laughs> For a WMR lives, which you can find on our Patreon, uh, the chapter where it's the whole thing about like, oh, I hope no one finds that I'm hanging out with Sua. They might get the wrong impression. Glad that'll never happen. What? You're dating Sua? It's the same thing here. Like, oh, don't worry. I would never let anybody know that the, the two of you were like staying together. Basically, that's that's our secret. Oh, everybody knows. Oh, no. Uh, and Zeno is one of the guys who found out about it. So, hey, he's alive. Cool. Nick, uh, how can you say that? This chapter uh, uh, proposes the idea that Zeno might join them in this house. It's kind of crazy. So uh, that this is going down and they say, oh, my God, Yajima, is it true you're sharing a house with Fujino? And uh, Gakura's like, oh, no, they found out in a toned down version. And the eliminating the fact that they sleep in the same same room ne- immediately next to each other in the school yes uh so gakuro kind of like begs off immediately uh and it's like no it's a misunderstanding and says so and it's like oh i'm sorry we jumped to conclusions that's okay fujino comes and sits down well we have or can we have dinner curry for dinner tonight uh, you fucker yajima you are living together you are lying to us and that's even worse <laughs> you better let her have t- curry tonight god damn it uh, and then Nui just comes over to Gakura and says, did you find another roommate for our house? And so they're like, wait, does that mean that you also live with them? So oh, you guys, she's her sister. It's his sister, not related by not blood, related by of blood. course. It's like, how, you guys didn't know that? Like, it would be kind of weird if whatever. Uh, she says, like, I live too much with them. Whatever that means. Uh, and so, so people are like, oh, you're, you're looking for new roommates. Maybe I should apply. <laughs> and so Gakuro says, what are you doing? And Nui telepathically communicates with him and says, I spread the rumor. And, and here's why it's a stupid reason, uh, but it's a reason. Uh, you see, uh, was told by Heichi. One of the other captains, which is like, oh, you said you'd send over squad members, right? And she's like, well, I always send over one. It's like, I mean, I haven't seen them. Though, so yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I don't know. Probably because that Gakuro dorks are your captain and stuff. Maybe. It's like, all right, well, can I get more team members? Well, maybe if you make a fool out of the captain, they'll come check him out. They're the type that enjoys seeing something like that. All right. This is a weird organization. It's very strange, uh, yeah. 
you could just order them, but whatever. So anyway, is like, uh, so, you know, I figured that, you know, if we just cause a stupid commotion, like always happens to you uh, and make all your classmates hate you, like I keep on doing, then we'll get a new squad member, I guess. So just go along with things. Also, I don't know who the member is. So I'm giving you this. This is a super rare spirit that can sense an exorcist power and take possession of them. And you're giving it to me. Yes. It only moves when an exorcist is around. Oops. So you just remove the lid and the spirit should fly over the exorcist's side. And try to possess them. All right. So she says, I'm going to set up an info session after school and you will be the presenter. So just keep everyone around until the new member of the squad comes. This is so weird. I don't know how this is in any, this is actually connected. Uh, it, so it really feels like it's not. I'll be honest. Gakuro goes to Suo for help, and she's like, "Why are you coming to me?" He's like, "Because you're good at public speaking and dealing with people." What about your sister? Well, she's helping out the science club today. Why? Nui's not an actual student. Like, come on. Yeah. So then people are also like spreading rumors about Suo and Gakuro because they're spending time together and stuff. Some of Suo's friends are kind of like watching them talk from a distance so they don't get all the details. And so one of them comes over and it's like, huh, you know, are you feeling terrible about being treated cold heartily by Suo all this time? Look, you know, I, there's a rumor about you living with another girl. And that's been making Suo jealous. It's been making Suo jealous. And Gakuro goes, what? That couldn't possibly be it. There's a rumor about you living with another girl. No, you're wrong. You're mistaken. No, that's a densest boy alive. So such an idiot. This is the only good moment of this chapter. The only good moment. Where Suo immediately re-ranks. She's like, best friend to the person who didn't say anything. Friend, point to Gaku. And then to her other friend, she goes, clown girl. Yeah. Yep. Good so for she, her. So she's been knocked down two ranks to clown girl. Literally putting into her in her place. I, I love her face. Like, aww. Ah. So later on, it looks like Suo has agreed with, with this uh, plan. And so he's, he's walking after her. He's like, I'm sorry. Why are you sorry? For making you uncomfortable. I didn't feel uncomfortable. Oh. Will you help me? Not even if you begged me to do it. Okay. He's not getting it and stuff. So Suo says, like, look, if you're going to be a captain, then, you know, you've got to, like, you've got to make an effort and do your best and stuff. And then she kind of realizes that she's been a little bit like snippy with him. And so she starts to apologize. And so, but Gakuro is like, oh, you gave me tough love. The only thing I respond positively to. I need to do my best. Goodbye. And uh, he rushes off for the club room and is like, yes, that's right. What's the point of asking for advice before I even try? I mean, you're not going to have a chance to try again if you try badly for never mind so he's like i need to come up with a plan he goes into the club room turns out there's a crowd already there for the whole thing and it's not just an info session it's the championship to claim a tenant position by defeating gakuro so just like before 
where Gakura had to fight off challengers for her. So he's like, what is happening? Why is this happening this way? And why now? And Nui is like, I didn't think the member would come if we didn't do this. <laughs> However, the plan is pretty much the same. Okay. So now Gakuro has got to fight people. His first challenger is two guys who have their arms wrapped around each other, claiming they're one competitor. Okay. So I'm so tired, Nick. I'm so sleepy. <laughs> a bunch of people object to this. They're like, that's not fair. You can't do that. So Zeno's like, well, if that's allowed, then I'll join this side. He's like, he's going to fight alongside Gakuro. I, like, I like he's, him up, he's immediately taking his shirt off. Yeah, it's this, like, is, this, rumble. this is not a, a shirts versus skins fight. Gakuro's shirt has not been taken off. He just, he was immediately like, I'm going to pop this top off and fight for you. So uh, all these teenagers are, you know, the most hormonal people ever. So they're immediately prone to getting horny and immediately prone to getting violent. So they're all like, just fight. It looks like a huge brawl is going to break out. But then Gakuro feels inside the little jar that he's got the, the spirit that'll respond to the new member. It's reacting. So it's like, I need to open it. He gets bum rushed by a bunch of people. It immediately flies out of his hands. It's like, oh, no. Oh, I'm useless. And he tries to get it. But Suo's there, too. And she's like, don't worry, Yachima. I'm throwing it to you right now. Saya knew I told me all about the plan. Since I'll be affected by it, too. Open it when I leave. So she's thought about this. So she knows that what might what might would happen if it opened around her. And also, it will possess people. But it's okay, though. According to Way, the people possessed by the spirit will be made to say what they honestly mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So shit. Oh, my God. Are we not done Suo's, this chapter yet? Suo goes to throw the jar, and someone goes, now. And the jar shatters in her hand, and the spirit comes out. Gasp. Presumably fucking new way. She's the one who does everything. This chapter sucks. Can we move on, please? I feel like we were rea- we were reacting when we did the week WMR lives recently. Uh, I was like, hey, remember how insane and weird early new new sexist was and how it would just do random shit in a row? This was definitely a return to that. Sure. Uh and I think it was the worst example of it so far. <laughs> it I surely like after very fun. after like a couple of pages, like I don't really even know what's happening in this chapter anymore. It goes so many different places. None of them good. Yeah, just not. We got to move on. Yeah, we, we have a lot to re- catch up. Two on. on ice. Chapter eight. After the snow clears. Hey, last time Kisara landed a triple axle in her routine and stuff. Uh, they do observe like it wasn't perfect. She kind of under rotated, but it was still good. And Hayuma like reflects on how like, you know, it's she's that cruel girl I looked up to all the way back then. But something about her also seems different. And he watches her perform. And hey, we get this nice big two-page spread collage of her just going through her routine, looking very beautiful and elegant. And Kisara gets a, a, a really good score. She gets she gets first place. Uh, although it's seemingly not as good as uh, Natsumi. One of the one of the Natsu twins, uh, not as necessarily as high as she expected, but she still f- fucking wins. 
Uh, so now we go over to Hayama. He's getting ready to do his routine. He's like, oh, I'm all antsy and stuff. So he's doing, you know, freaking jump ropes. And he's like, and then he's like, oh, now I'm too worked up. You know, I'm all nervous and not everything. He goes, he's looking around and he finds Natsuya, uh, the male twin. Apparently he was wearing the mascot costume. Yep. He's uh, something, the giraffe. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then he tries to talk to, to Natsuya and he just puts the mascot head back on and does not talk to him. Hell nope, yeah. Not Hell <laughs> yeah. I want that costume now. I, I also want to just be like. It's magical. <laughs> put it back on. Uh, so that kind of like calms Hayuma down, uh, but then he's like, oh shit, uh, the person in front of me is performing, so he has to run off immediately, uh, and then it's the person ahead of him is Roland Fujiwara, current number two in all of Japan, who is doing his routine, and he is ridiculous. He's doing quads and stuff, and Hayuma realizes maybe it's just because I'm not watching him on TV, but in real life, but he seems cooler. Uh, and then he's like looking at, you know, the, the twins. And he's like, but Kisara can do a quad too, right? And she says, I mean, in fifth grade, she could. Yes, but she can't really do most of them anymore because she's been focusing on Paris competition. Uh, and she says, like, look, right now, the men in the top class do insane routines. So you should watch closely because this is the potential that Kisara saw in you, the world of men's signals. And uh, yeah, Roland does an absurd routine, uh, even when they like kind of like adjust scores because there are different scoring between men and women. He kind of blows Kisara is completely out of the water. Uh, and now Rahim was really realizing like I never you know stopped to imagine what things would be like when I actually caught up with Kisara. Is there a path ahead of me that she can't take once I do catch up with her? So, and when she was telling me to try singles, is this what she, what was she feeling at that moment when she did that? So he's finally getting the whole picture of what's actually going on that everyone else has realized prior to him. Uh, and now he's going out to perform his first singles free skate in a competition. And he will be performing to La Strada like they've been practicing. That's where we end the chapter. Yeah, uh, I'll be curious to see how it happens from there. Um, you know, I do think that we get some cool art here and visuals in this chapter. But beyond that, I'm still kind of sitting here waiting to really kind of reconnect with this series. Hmm. The Elusive Samurai, Chapter 133, Romance, 1337. Last time, Shizuku and Ayako were having a kind of one-sided conversation about... Tokiyuki. It was uh, girl talk, Nick, you know? It was girl Sometimes talk. The way girl talk. The way the girls do, talking about sharing boys. Uh-huh. Uh, now, so. now, Nick, not the first time polygamy has been discussed this week in Shonen I was going to make the observation, yes. <laughs> there were two chapters that very explicitly mentioned the possibility of po- polyamorous relationships this was the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> so Ayako's like, look, you know, high-ranking warriors married for political reasons. They were only free to love their concubines. That seems reductive. Uh, and also inaccurate in general. <laughs> oh, yes, these were loving relationships. Mm, some, maybe, I'm sure. But Ayako's like, hey, look, 
we can share the young lord and then eventually he'll get married too and then we will just be one big happy household and jesus was like no that no that'd be bad because in the future when lovers two time their reputation goes up in hellfire and now because like the future is that bad this is very weird this is like, <laughs> it's like look i'm not saying that monogamy is perfect and and everything but it's just kind of like a crazy talking point to take so ayaka's like well but the future isn't now so we should like do what we want for now and stuff um and shizuku's like look i've been kind of afraid to look into the future since i got my father's abilities passed on to me uh and suddenly Tokyuki comes up to, to her and is like, hey, can you pick apart the live bait? Because I can't bear to. And Shizuku gets all like, oh, okay. And Ayaka's like, I want to do it too. And so the three of them are just kind of like all at a table together. And they're both on either side of Tokyuki looking at each other around him and kind of communicating silently with blushy looks. Uh, and Ayaka's like, if you aren't interested, then I'll claim him for myself. Which is how love works. Yeah. So, hey, this is a different interesting weird but interesting conversation going on you know it could use a kie showing up <laughs> i like how the characters after he leaves literally comment to like i think he did he just offer anything just, i don't did, i think he just wanted to I, show up shizuku literally says he just wanted to appear in this chapter but he does offer her the example of he's not worried about the future he's confident in himself uh, but then a young man comes up to Tokiyuki, uh, who says, like, hey, I used to be a monk at the Tosho Temple, and I saw the final moments of the Hojo clan. And so I know about you, and I know how you've been defeated in the past, but you always come back. You're able to make friends with your former enemies. You're my age. How can you keep doing this? How can you keep fighting? Aren't you afraid of dying in battle? And Tokiyuki says, I'm actually very afraid. But there are two wolves inside me. He says, he says, two fathers, because, you know, there's my, the, my blood and pride for my real father, which I cannot squander his inheritance. And there's the love and ambition for my adoptive father. And I cannot squander that by hiding in fear of death. And the boy says, our father's that important because I also want to fight for my father. But my mother was a lowly concubine and I'm afraid he would turn me away. And Tokyuki says, look, I don't know your situation specifically. But if I were your father, I wouldn't turn you away. Wives and concubines are both important. So we should welcome he should welcome you with open arms. If he did refuse you, it shows you he is irresponsible and selfish. Walk ahead without fear. And so the boy's like, all right, I, I feel braver now. Thank you. I'm going to go get stronger and I'm going to go and meet my father. And oh, isn't that nice? Tokyo leaves them all better. I'm sure we'll never see him again. Oh. Uh, <laughs> And so, but seeing this happen and seeing the way that Tokyo talks about all the different facets of this conversation is the perfect conversation to have for her at this moment. She thinks he doesn't fear the future. He's soft hearted. He's stubborn. He's overly optimistic. I like him all the same. Uh -huh. And so she just decides to deal with the immediate here and now, which is the hunting competition that they're on. She takes a smoke bomb, a bomb from Genba and has Ayako row out with her uh, in their one fishing boat that they have. She drops the bomb in the water and it goes and Shizuku calls out to the Nanbu, the guy who mocked them before, and says, I brought you a bounty and a fucking 
whale comes out and beaches itself on the beach. And the Nabu get credit for it. And so they'll say, all right, yeah, they fucking win. So Ayako, of course, asked, she's like, so you want him to win? And she says, look, they traveled the furthest. They need the provisions the most. Uh, I was, I've been worried about, you know, like funds for the future, but you and Nisama woke me up. So I have to do what I want without fear. And what I want to do most is achieve his objectives. And the other stuff you mentioned, we can, you know, talk about that later. <laughs> so, so yeah, they've got to do all that stuff. Uh, the two of them all kind of like go over and they, there's a cute moment where Ayako has, it's like carrying Shizuku over. She grabs Tokyuki and it's like, I caught a Shizuku. And he's like, ah, what a fine catch. And it's it's like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. Anyway, that boy we just met, who was not important at all, turns out he's Takauji Yashikaga's son via concubine. And so he's like, the next time we meet Tokyuki Duno, we may be enemies. And we get narration saying he and his father Takauji would someday try to kill each other. Ooh. So apparently, so, for people who know the history of this, this is a pretty big deal. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. So I'm just going to roll with the punches. Uh, look, this again, I'll reiterate, this could be about American politics or American mm-hmm. history. I would still just be like, yeah, Aaron Burr hanging out with Abraham Lincoln. This is pretty fucking cool. Like, I wonder what's going to happen. This is, <laughs> this is wild shit. It's fucking, and Ted, Teddy Roosevelt's going to be there. Like, this is this is all right. Like, I can't wait. This is exciting. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to tell you. This is not my strongest subject. Oh, and then they're all going to team up and go and get that bastard Benedict Arnold. Yeah, they got to stop Benedict Arnold before he gets back to the British or they're going to lose the Revolutionary War. <laughs> oh, man. And then there's not going to be enough people for them to have the War of 1812. <laughs> One of my favorite jokes I ever did with my brother was just bit we started doing it was the idea that i was like a time traveling assassin (laughs) we're gonna send you back in time to kill the 17th president and i'm like ah yes i have to kill grover cleveland (laughs) (laughs) i'm killing gerald ford then i believe (laughs) he'll never know what hit him I'm killing Al Gore. No way, that can't be right. <laughs> I'm going to be taking out John Quincy Adams, not John Adams. I know not to make that mistake. <laughs> not twice. <laughs> <laughs> not again. Uh, at least this character is introduced with kind of an intriguing hook. He's very concerned about what his father is going to think of him. He's going to end up trying to kill his father in the future. That's a nice hook to start off on. Got like it's like I was saying before about you know how the way that polyamorous things are usually depicted in manga, where it's just like, oh, the guys just got to get all the girls and stuff, and it's like it feels very like hollow that this is happening. Uh, in this way and it's again weird that they're talking about in terms where it's like y'all are like 14 and you're talking about being this 12 year old's concubines it's odd Uh, but there are some nice little touches here and there in this chapter I do appreciate that they flat out to say it's like yeah Kiei just did nothing to contribute to this chapter when he didn't I I wish Um, I had more like of a positive feeling towards the idea of this, you know, love triangle mm-hmm. polyamory ending. 
Um, but one, I don't know if we're going to be there. It, 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 nah. it seems bold to, to do that, but I don't think they're going to. But two, I also like this is like neither of these relationships are interesting because we really don't no. get to see them. Like but basically both girls will kind of just from afar be like, oh, he's so cool. And they don't interact. There's been a little bit, I think, with Tokyuki and uh, Shizuka, but it's still not a lot. Not, in a, lo- like, not in a while. Not, a, not time, in a long time, definitely. But the last time that there was like overt like you know mention of it was when she had that uh battle uh the little game where she you know like put him to sleep and then was kissing him as a distraction and stuff like it's been so long since then and yeah it's way more interesting to see relationships develop between people as opposed to them talking with their friend who also has a relationship with the guy but like wouldn't it be great if one of us had a romantic relationship with him what if we both did it's like i mean you could like so all right moving on <laughs> we have so little time we have two series left to do we got Akane. we got to shoot through Akane Banashi. no time to even talk about it she's doing Rakugo next series Nick story 86 new breeze this is the show that's going on involving the Arakawa new school people that are all coming up through the ranks Hikari was the opener this Yuzen guy with the weird hair is is the next one, and then it's Koguma the, as the third act, and Kaisei is the main event. Uh, and so Yuzen is like upset about this backstage because he's like, "I should be the closer." Sure. Uh, and Kaisei is just like, "Hey, if you're unhappy about it, show me up with your Rakugo. That's the Arakawa way, isn't it?" So you know, very shown. It's just like, "Hey, just fucking beat you me, know, knock me down, yeah, beat me." Uh, and hey. I do like that Hikaru is like pulled into this because she's like, hey, the only reason I'm still into Rakugo is because I had a shonen rivalry with that girl. So, yeah, this feels good. Uh, but she also observes that Koguma is just very quietly, you know, sitting in the corner, just reading one of his Rakugo books. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, you know, they're going on, on, on about stuff. Yuzen, you know, sees Koguma. He's like, you know, I appreciate all the eyes that you brought onto this thing. But uh, if you try and show me up, you're not going to get any mercy. And then he looks at, you know, Pat does a passive glance towards Koguma. And he's like, you're just the opposite, too. He doesn't even consider him an option, uh, a threat, basically, to him stealing the show. So he goes up on stage and he's like, I'm going to show you all who the real star is. And he just goes for, like, the big glass piles on jokes and everything. Uh, and Hikaru compares him to Kaichi and. Uh, in a and is like you look i was the opener and he's kind of blowing me out of the water right here he's specifically you know able to do that koguma approaches her uh and says like you know you're kind of being more spirited than i than i thought you were uh and uh hikaru says well you're being really cold because that guy you know he's he's mocking you but you barely reacted and that irritate you and he says you can't let that stuff affect your emotions Anger doesn't translate to power. And so Hikaru's like, oh, that's so mature. No, not really. Uh, this just isn't the place where I fight back. And uh, Yuzen comes off stage and he's like, ha, yeah, I'm the best. Who's it? <laughs> Who's the king of Rakugo? I'm the star. Koguma just breezes by him. He's like, thanks. Uh, we're done with you here. Uh, and he takes the stage while saying, also, believe it or not, I'm the type to hold a grudge. And uh, he takes the stage, and of course, he's got his hair slicked back, the glasses off and stuff. And Yuzen's like, is that really the same guy? And everyone's like, he's just completely different once he takes the stage. Of course, we've established that before. And 
he he uh Kuga starts launching into his uh into his uh story uh and everyone observes like this is Koguma rather starts launching into his story and everyone's like huh this is like I don't know what story this is. Ikara doesn't recognize it. And she's like, I've been listening to all these different stu- stories for study purposes. I've never heard of this one before. And Yuzen says over to Kaisei, I don't know this one. Is this, this ain't a new story, right? And Kaisei doesn't know what it is either. But guess who does know it? The old journalist critic oh. guy. And I love this, that we get his observation on this. Cause he's like, I don't get it. I recognize the story. But how did he learn it? <laughs> um, and he's sitting right next to Iken and he's like, yeah, you got, yeah, the, the way they did it is just that, you know, he went and he fucking found it because <laughs> uh, they just explained, look, all the Rakugo stories that, handed da- that are handed down since the Edo period from like teacher to students, there are about 400, there are about 200 of those, but there's over 800 if you look at the written sources. So this is his ability to just access all these great deep stories because he's just the research master of everything. He is an unparalleled teller of the classics. And we get this cool shot of Koguma standing in a massive library. Uh, and so Hikaru is realizing like, yeah, of course, I thought it was fishy. Like, there's no way that someone who is one of Akane's Ani-sans would be a cold, uncaring guy. He's using the big stage to challenge us with a story that even other Rakugoka don't know. He wants to be the star. Cool chapter. It's extremely cool. I love what they're doing up setting up Koguma is like this this historian, this almost like Indiana Jones, like I will res- revive this story essentially. It's it's like a very cool concept to play. Uh, play with it. I, I I just really like him in this moment. He looks extremely cool, and I'm super uh, jazzed for it. To be honest, yeah, looks like good stuff. All right, Nick, Quinn, take us to the finale. It's One Piece. Let's wrap this up with One Piece, Chapter One Thousand and Ninety Eight, Bonnie's Birth. Before I talk about One Piece, I really quickly want to say to everybody. Well, I guess this is talking about One Piece, but not the chapter. I want to say to everybody, if you are curious to hear what both Nick and I's thoughts are on the new live-action One Piece series, the bonus podcast we recorded that we kind of sat on until the strike was over uh, has been released, so if you are curious mm-hmm. to listen to it, you can find it on our Patreon, patreon.com slash weekly manga recap. It is available for everybody. You do not even have to be a patron to access it. Mm-hmm. It is just a place to host it, so go check that episode out if you are interested. Alright, Nick, let's, go, uh, let's talk about some heavy shit now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there is a nice little thing uh, in the cover page. Brooke rocking out. Uh, the background's a little bit spotty, and there's a note on Brooke's pants that's a note from Oda, which just says, I didn't finish the art in time. Sorry. <laughs> it is uh, very fair and understandable. So, yeah, uh, as you'll see as we get through the chapter, uh, this chapter was not finished. Um, I want to stress that I hope Oda takes as much time to rest as possible. We are getting very close to chapter 1100, and I would love for Oda to take breaks and, you know, do everything he wants because this, you know, uh, his health is important. And uh, I want to see him happy and healy. (laughs) Um, 
So we pick up where we left off before, which is Ginny has been captured. There's a bunch of chaos kind of going around. They're like, oh, we got to we got to get aid. Uh, everything in the South Blue is getting like overrun. Uh, Ivan calls like I, we can't go. Our ship's already loaded up with the injured from the Goa Kingdom. This is where Sabo is. So connection there. Kumo's like, I'll go. And they're like, no, you, you can't. You'll be pushing yourself. And uh, he just thinks about Ginny and... We get a little bit more detail that uh, a celestial dragon has had their eye on her. And she was basically taken to be the celestial dragon's wife. Now, this sequence here is a little hard for me to understand. If I understand correctly, Kuma shows up, I believe, where she was taken from. And his efforts seem like they help turn the tide and they win thanks to the revolutionary army uh but he wasn't able to save Ginny. uh they, mm-hmm. they, it seems like they strike a victory uh but he at the end he's just like i'm tired i'm gonna take a ship I'm going home, home. Yeah. yeah uh and dragon's just very sorry about this uh they note that she was abducted uh, abused and made into a celestial dragon's wife um and two years later there is Sort of uh, a follow-up as a call comes in to Baltigo that says, uh, hey, um, Ginny, it's here. Ginny is contacting us. I'm back on the lower world. But <laughs> she's sick. They, the only reason why she's free is because she stopped being, you know, useful anymore to the Celestial Dragon. So they dumped her off. Uh, and she's like, I would love to see you all. But this is me saying goodbye. And Kuma's like, oh, what are you saying? I I thought I'd never see you again. But where are you? I'll immediately be there. And she's like, look, I'm sorry. I'm dying. I won't be long now. I appreciate it. But do not come. Dragon, big brother, watch over Kuma. He's too kind for his own good. And Kuma, just remember, I'll always love you. Kuma immediately figures out, like, there's only one place she'd go. He immediately teleports himself back over to the Sorbet Kingdom. And by the time he's there, it's too late. He gets to do his church. The elderly are there. Uh, he also left before she said, I'll always leave you. I'll always love you, which is very sad as well. <laughs> when he gets there, uh, her body is there. Uh, but there are these weird stones these hard blue stones that are all mm-hmm. over her and they say that uh, it's after she'd been exposed to all this light and he just thinks about her we get all these little flashes of it and her saying hey time. yeah yeah hey let's get married i'm gonna make you happy and he's just crying uh one of the uh elderly individuals is like yes yeah, he crossed the sea by day basically ensuring that she would die to ensure that her baby lived in case anything happened to herself. So somehow she made it here safely and they present Kuma with baby Bonnie. And uh, Kuma just says, don't worry, Ginny, I will raise your daughter. We get like a quick panel to show him at the grave. And then the chapter gets a lot cuter for, <laughs> from here on. For a little bit, bit, yeah. Because uh, Kuma is being a father. And it's actually very, very adorable. All the elderly people. All the people. old people are like, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, but they're all trying to help. They're like, oh, you're, you're holding the bottle at the wrong angle. You're drowning her. And one person makes a note. They're like, you're going to need to put her in an iron cage because you're so big, you'll crush her if you roll over. 
Um, but they also note they're like, oh, once she starts drinking, she really, really drinks. She really has Ginny's mm-hmm. appetite, and that makes Kuma happy. Uh, there's a bunch of like flashes of like her growing up a little bit as she like starts to walk and say her first she words. Calls, her first word is daddy and Kuma cries. And it's very sweet. Yeah. Um, and it's juxtaposed as she's doing stuff. We or he's spending time with her. We also see him continuing his work as a revolutionary soldier. Um, they they literally show that she does sleep in a metal cage in case he rolls over on her. We do and see a quick her, right. yeah. We do see a quick uh, panel of uh, Sabo training with Kuma, which is fine. Uh, but suddenly. Uh, Kuma has nailed down all the or nailed shut all of the windows in the church. And they're like, why? Why have you shuttered everything? He's like, shut the door. Look below her eye. And uh, Bonnie has this stone, a blue stone on her cheek. And they're like, oh, my gosh, is this the same thing that killed Ginny? Like, we, we got to call a doctor. We got to figure this out. Let's do a test. This chapter moves very fast, so this sounds kind mm-hmm. of frantic. I just want to note that is the pacing of this chapter. We get a doctor who kind of name drops law disease, but is like, I, it's not white lead, uh, but I don't I don't know what the fuck this is. Uh, and Kuma quits the revolutionaries. He's like, look, I don't know what my daughter has. I don't know what to do, but I want to be with her. And Dragon is like, yeah, I get it. Go, go do what you need to do. I'll use all of our resources to help find a doctor. Don't worry about mm, it. So you have a child and you are quitting the revolutionaries to be with them. I don't I understand. understand. <laughs> I get that absolute, that sentiment absolutely. Man, if I had a child, I don't know if I could go on doing this revolutionary life. <laughs> Um, so we are now seven years ago and Bonnie is age five. Nick, we'll come back to that at the end of this chapter. I have, uh, spontaneously <laughs> lost my ability to do math. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> that means she's a uh, 37 or something then, right? Uh, you're the, you're the opposite to my history assessment. <laughs> um, Bonnie is age five and a bunch of bullies are running away from her and Bonnie has this cool thing where she's flipping them off like get out of here you stupid brat she looks very cool it's a cool pose yeah uh, but they're all like yeah you can't come out this far you're a vampire you can't come into the light take this and she just drop kicks one of them she's like shut up this is a church I live in a, I live in a church <laughs> Uh, but immediately Kuma's like, no, no, please don't go outside. I get nervous even when you're in the doorway. Like, and she's like, it's fine, daddy. I was just kidding with them. It's fine. He's like, but don't even do it as a joke. You worry me too much. She's like, I don't, I don't want to make you sad. He's like, oh, you're going to be such a good girl when you grow up. She's like, oh my God, she's fine. <laughs> she's five and she's already, you know what? I kind of do buy that she's, you know, acts older than she is. If she's acting this way at five years old. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she's like, you know what they did, though, Dad? They made fun of my face stones again. Is that weird? Like, this this thing? It's a disease. I can't help it. And Kuma has the most terrifying expression ever. He comes in. He's like, you're a Jules? <laughs> it's very disturbing. Please don't ever make that face again, sir. And she's, he's just like, they're just jealous because it makes you look so beautiful. And she's like, oh, is that so? I love them then. It's very, very sweet. Uh, and he's talking with her then. He's like, you know, after you're cured, Bonnie, if we went on a trip, where would you want to go? Curious line to say there, Kuma. Mm-hmm. Curious line to say. 
Uh, and she's like, mm, the sky islands. She's like, oh, there are islands in the sky? She's like, yeah, I read it in this book. And maybe Nico will be there because we'd be so close to the sun. I bet you'd be excited. He starts doing his Nika dance and everything like that. He's like, oh, that would be a big adventure. Maybe you could do that one when you're 20. Where would you go on your 19th birthday? And she's like, Fishman Islands. Very, very cute. Uh, again, there is no transition. She's like, I'm going to go to Fishman Island. She's going to die. Your daughter's disease is incurable. It's such a whiplash. But they're like, she has this thing called Sapphire Scales. It has only a very few cases in recent memory, but any kind of sunlight starts triggering it and causes the stone to spread. But even if you block her out from all sunlight completely, it will eventually still take her over. This is like an inevitable thing. And to be brutally honest, she's got five years left in her, basically. Yeah. And Kuma's like, wait, are you saying she's going to die at age 10? Uh, he's floored by this. That conversation ended there, by the way. He's like, because <laughs> they're like, oh, there's no cure. So he just kind of leaves because we had to transition to the next scene, which is Bonnie surprising him and be like, hey, I heard you said age 10. What's going to happen at age 10? Is it about me? And he's like, uh, uh, y- yeah, uh, the doctor said, he said, you're not going to get better until you reach age 10. And she's like, oh, but that's really far away. But you're saying I'm going to be better when I'm 10 and then I can go around the world with you? And he's like, oh, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Of course you'll be better when I, when you're 10. And she's like, yay! <laughs> this is so sad for a couple of reasons. I'm she say. was 10 when the, when the fucking time skip happened. Yeah, it's that's the thing, is that she was 10 years old when she was a pirate uh, at the time skip. So uh, we end the chapter by saying it is now one year later and the nightmare has returned to the Sarbic Kingdom. The elderly have come to Kuma and they're like, King Bikori is doing it again. It's 16 years over, uh, 16 years ago all over again. He's going to burn the country down, uh, burn away everybody who he thinks is weighing down the country. So we end the chapter there as Kuma's like, oh no. So, so oh man. <laughs> There's a lot in this chapter. There's a lot. Uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, hints towards stuff, uh, you know, s- establishing, like, why Bonnie behaves the way that she does, you know, not just why, that she has the why, age-changing fruit. But why, why. why her name is Jewelry Bonnery? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or Bonnie? I don't know why I always add an R to her name. Uh, jewelry Bonnery, you know. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, indicates, like, oh, you know, well, she acts older than she is by default because you know of this thing where you know age was such an important thing because her father didn't expect her to live beyond 10 years old and also it does seem like the big point we're building to is of course kuma has lost you know someone that he loved more than anyone else to this disease and now he's going to lose a person that he has also loved more than anyone else to the same disease uh, if he doesn't do something. And of course, you know, we know what happens with him eventually. He becomes a pacifista and stuff. Why would he do that? Well, the government, the, the organization that did it to him also has access to the most renowned scientists in the world. So it seems like some sort of deal was struck to save Bonnie's life. Uh, obviously, we don't have confirmation of that yet. The, this chapter itself took us in a couple of unexpected <laughs> places, so not gonna pen that in yet, yes. but <laughs> we'll see. So, 
there are, I guess, two things t- of, of controversy to reference. I, I, I had made mention last week when you brought up Bonnie. I, I knew that she was a child at that point. I had had that spoiled to me from this chapter. Cool. So that's why I was kind of like, oh, Nick, let's not. Maybe these questions will come up next week. Who knows? Um, but yes, the, the big thing here is that the, the Bonnie that we know is 12 years old. Um that makes a couple things we've had happen recently in the manga a little uncomfortable uh, with the art in particular. I'm not a fan Put of that. Put on some pants, young lady. <laughs> not a huge fan of that. <laughs> so I'm going to note that. I will also note, I I knew I knew, I knew Ginny wasn't going to live this this flashback. Yeah. It, it felt very unlikely. I do think I'm a, a little upset that it feels like uh, women in recent One Piece flashbacks have been very much uh, fridged pretty frequently. Yeah, uh, fridge, especially fridges. mothers of daughters yeah. uh, in a lot of them. I was going to say, ever since like the New World, it's it's been pretty harsh to be a mom in a One Piece flashback. Yeah, Olivia, uh, to, Olivia to Robin, Shira Hoshi's mother, freaking like Vivi's mother's not around. Uh, Rebecca's the, mother was the one who was, di- was, gone, who was dead, yeah. so Kairos can be there. Um, I feel like there's someone else. Uh, Tokyo, well, uh, again, Odin and Tokyo are both dead, so I won't, yeah, I won't yeah, count right. that. But it's just the idea, Mister Pink or Senor Pink's wife is true. The the one I always, the one that blows my mind because One Piece sometimes has a like a pace of like frigid women. I'm like, never forget the OG of frigid in One Piece. Which is Portgaz D Rogue, who yeah. was dead in her introduction. Introdu- <laughs> introduced, like- <laughs> uh, she carried Ace, Ace to term way past when she should have, and died in the process. Okay, moving on. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck, man? I, look, I understand his narrative here. There's a story. I am willing to go along with this journey. Uh, it was just an unfortunate thing. And, and I think part of it is this chapter is shorter than normal One Piece chapter. Oda was not able to finish the art and everything like that. I get it. Um, it felt like we very quickly just lost Ginny. <laughs> I had noted before, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm going to hold off because there's going to be a chapter where I'm really going to get emotional about Ginny. And there just wasn't time. Like I, I mentioned last week, I was like, Ginny has a cool new art, like a cool new design. Uh, things aren't looking great. I don't love that she's been captured, but then this chapter is like, uh, she was captured. She's free. She has a child. Uh, there we go. And she's dead. And it's like, to say, uh, to say nothing of the, uh, let's call them implications of, yes. uh, Bonnie's conception. Yeah. We're not, we're not going to get into that. Um, but just a note of like, I wish we could have gotten a little bit more time with Ginny. We did get some time, so I will appreciate that. Uh, but this was, I think, a little disappointing to to feel like the goodbye. And maybe that's intentional. Maybe that's a, an artistic decision on Oda to make it feel very uh, distant because Kuma is going through that pain as well. Um, but yeah, just wanted to share my thoughts, I guess, on that. I do really like what we see of the relationship between Kuma and Bonnie, though. I think that it scary faces that he makes occasionally aside. It's very, very sweet. And uh, yeah, there's just a lot of ground that got covered and a lot of it was really heavy. So, <laughs> OK, so. that is it for Weekly Manga Recap, everybody. Let's go over what was good this week. Quinn, what was your favorite chapter? Oh, man. Chapter of the week 
is hard, honestly. I'm trying to think. There's a lot of good contenders. I'm trying to go through them all in my head. Mm. I am going to yeah, if you say go first. mine is Cypher Academy. Okay. Um, it's a bit of an odd one, I know, because there were a lot of really good chapters this week. But honestly... I just like the very Yu-Gi-Oh of it where <laughs> they're playing a board game and there's a massive turnabout. And I like the way that a lot of it is, you know, for lack of a better term, shot, uh, you know, like the images that we see in, in the setup. And I love the very simple misdirection that happens because of the trust and the communication between Yoroha and Ensa yeah. and also the implication that, oh, Yoroha's got this ability that no one's really like clocked yet up to this point they just had suspicions about it uh it's a cool one i will say i'm gonna give my chapter of the week to my hero academia i think it was a really really fun and exciting chapter i liked seeing bakugo go full explosion chaos mode i liked all for one being like no i hate you you remind me of the second why are you so annoying uh like the setups everything just felt very exciting so i'm gonna give it to to uh my year academia my character of the week contrary to popular belief everyone's gonna be like uh segment right with the peanuts mm -hmm. it's not segment i'm gonna actually give it to kokuma from akane banashi because i really mm -hmm. really was like uh in awe of like this idea of like a historian reviving sort of dead rock ago is a very very cool concept to play off of so i was i was a super big fan of that uh I am going to give mine to Bakugo because he was very cool in this chapter, unleashing this new ability and stuff, grinning like a madman the whole time. And the only two times that he actually directly talks to All for One, he just kind of says the kind of stuff that we all want to say to him. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's great. Yep. All right. Well, that is going to do it for the manga recap this week. Nick. Yeah. So we uh, record episodes here on twitch.tv slash RolloT Wednesday evenings starting around 730 Eastern time uh, to stay updated on exactly when we go live. You can join the WMR Discord server. Click the link wherever this gets posted, which will be on YouTube. It'll be on Spotify. It'll be on Podbean uh, and all of the places where the podcast and stuff. Are. Oh, sorry. Yes. Uh, the audience, by the way, I'm, I'm sorry. Thank you, Black Endo, for reminding me. Uh, One Piece won the audience pick for chapter of the week and Kuma won the character of the week. I apologize. Hmm. And uh, if you want to make your voice heard and polls like that, join that Discord and also check out the Weekly Manga Recap uh, spread Google Docs spreadsheet that is maintained by Ninja X3i, which keeps track of voting for the audience, for us, uh, best series, worst series, and recommendations that we are taking and uh, have taken in the past. We'd like to thank Milo Jack Stilitz and Winslow Cheddar for creating the opening sequence of the show for the YouTube version. Steve Mann occasionally does title card artwork for us as well. And if you want more Weekly Manga Recap, like Quinn was talking about earlier, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Weekly Manga Recap. Our discussion of the One Piece live-action Netflix series is available for free, and there's also bonus content that we post on there usually once per month if you become a, 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 a supporter. Yes. I think uh, that's everything. We're going to have a new bonus podcast out very soon, so stay tuned. Uh, it's going to be a weird one. We'll talk about it next it week. Um, but I think next week we're also going to be talking about Yu Yu Hakusho, Nick. Yeah. We're going to try. <laughs> we're going to try. Uh, that's what we're going to go for. So stay tuned for that, everybody. 
Um, I think that's it. I think that's everything we have. So we are gonna get on out of here. I I'm off to assassinate the 18th president of the United States. So I believe I'm heading back to 1912 or so. Uh, 12 plus 5 I, is uh, 620. There we go. We're an unstoppable tag team. No one will be able to beat us. 